Hey, viewers or listeners, uh, I'm Rob Olson, formerly of The Booked Podcast, and this is my brand new podcast. It's called The Arc Party, and uh, just generally to sum it up, it is a podcast celebrating the release of upcoming books, where we talk to authors about the books, what it's about, and uh, just generally have a fun time. I love promoting new books. I love getting the word out about books. I love authors reaching new audiences, and I want to do everything I can to support that. That's what this is all about. The new episode is with David James Keaton. We're kicking it off in a very huge and awesome episode, so please join me for that. Uh, And there's more to come. I've got so many books uh, that I want to talk about this year, and I want to be your best resource for knowing what books are coming out and when. So join us at the party. The last blockbuster video store in the United States is hanging on by a thread. And after a crazy night attempting to track down a lost VCR rental to collect the record-setting internet famous late fee, three employees, idealistic Eva, cinephile Jerry, and their tyrannical manager Randy, discovered that this machine may actually have the power to change the endings of popular films, which, depending on the historical basis of the film, might also be changing the real world around. Or is it just an elaborate, increasingly deadly prank? Um, I think that's probably sums it up. Yeah. So it releases January 10th. You can pre-order the book wherever you want. Audio's already out. Paperback comes out on the 31st. Um, Kindle, I think, will probably come out in the next two weeks. Rob, did you strategically put some Keaton books right behind you? Because that's really well done. Yeah. Oh, crap. Look at that. Look at that. Not only that, I can zoom. I can zoom in. Oh, hang on, that's up. Oh, you guys, you guys are high tech. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, they're not always there, David. So don't get. I know. I figured. You're fucking. As soon as this, yeah. as soon as this goes off, he wipes it clear like a magician pulling the, <laughs> pulling the fucking tablecloth out. Rob, what, what's, what's this show? Is this is, this is not booked anymore, right? That's done. Oh yeah, I guess I'll, I'll explain to you guys what's. Yeah. This is all going to be part of it because this is like this is the inaugural thing. This is the first one I'm doing. Oh damn! Um, and uh, so yeah, booked. We you know we wrapped up back in 2021. Yeah, 2021. Uh, I did a handful of things with Lit Reactor, and I just you know it just wasn't kind of doing for me what I wanted to. So. I've been trying to think about what I want to do. And the thing I keep going back to is like, it's, it feels weird that I don't have a way to promote people's upcoming books. Like that was kind of what I got the most fun out of when I was doing booked was to um, find a way to kind of get like word of mouth support for people's books, because a lot of, you know, and the timeline is really tight with this one because it was kind of thrown together last minute, but like a lot of like, you know, uh, um, help is like the pre-orders and like the, launch you know time orders and stuff like that so that's where i kind of got the idea to do something and so that's what this is going to be uh i did some brainstorming it's going to be called the arc party because i'm trying to be more like lively and stuff Mm. um so like the idea is like celebrating the upcoming release of a book so that's why the word parties in there um i was like arc i was like the arc of the covenant i was like oh right arcs are called yeah yeah, gotcha yeah i wrote a book i get it yeah (laughs) So that's, uh, none of it's all set up. I, I, I registered a domain. I have to set it up, you know, like I have some social media stuff that I need to set up. I need like a logo and everything. But, um, the whole idea is you got a book that's about to come out. 
we're just going to talk about it and um, hopefully draw more attention to it and encourage people to get it. And then like another thing that I'm going to do, another aspect of it is going to be um, like a kind of a sub stack thing where I'm constantly talking about, Hey, I just found out about this book that just got announced mm-hmm. or whatever. So that like, there's a, a stream of people can be aware of books that have been announced or that ha- like, like launch dates and stuff. So that's kind of the general idea. Yeah. Sounds great, man. I would have went with the like, readers of the lost Ark, but I think your, your thing's probably uh, better. That might be. Yes. You can steal. It. I don't care. You I'm just saying I'll never use it, but I'm just saying. Shit, where were you? My girlfriend's a copywriter and she helped me uh she, like anything I came up with was like 80 times dumber than dude. You know, if I was your girlfriend, you know how far ahead you'd be? Like you don't even know. You, well, if I was your girlfriend, it'd be first of all, that Prince song would be better for you. It, it's, it's, <laughs> there's a lot of levels here. But uh yeah, so yeah, that's that's what this is. And I Tony if you were his girlfriend. Yeah. Would you make him put his clock higher? <laughs> That's like the last verse from the song. I actually, I would. I mean, oh what, God! What are you doing? We got somebody coming. Dave's coming. Come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it's just sitting on top of the shelf. I didn't want to. Oh, mount it. okay. It's yeah. It's not it's not hanging on the wall. It's just it's stood on the shelf. So that the makes, Hannibal mindfuck. That makes more sense and less sense. It's like. I, is lazy decor. I didn't want to, you know, actually put it up somewhere. It's not functional. I could turn it on. It's just not. The girlfriend was complaining about how loud it sounds when it's like actually the gears are working. So, hey, where's your clock? So you're, you're going to yeah. knock on his clock. Where's your clock? I'm glad. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> this is where he's going to freeze again because he's moving. Oh, it's worth it. We got to see this. Thing. Take it. Oh, oh, Felix, yeah. love it. Well, I can't, I can't. So just so listeners know, there is a, a black Felix the cat type of clock with the, the eyes. It's it's beautiful. Tail's going nuts. Oh, I froze again? No, no, you're no, fine. No, you're good. Oh, that's right. There's This is going to be visual. I'm, I'm going to be stopping <laughs> that correct thing. No, actually, that's actually uh, good that you did that. Uh, it's going to be like, I'm going to YouTube out the video, but then I'm also going to podcast it. So gotcha. there will be an audio only version. So you're just doing my heavy lifting over there. That's what a girlfriend does. <laughs> oh man i'm gonna have to break the news to the former girlfriend yeah i mean that's cool do you know Dios, it's cool uh, we'll see if your experiment works yeah that's the hope like and then really honestly what i hope is uh since i've made i spent a decade making connections with different authors i think that the premise of this is like positive enough and like easy easy enough to support that hopefully like you know it's an easy thing to be like, Hey, check this thing out. It's promoting upcoming books. Like, you know, I am happy that this exists. And then you might get some crossover from different audiences or, or more awareness from like the word of mouth of different, uh, like author, uh, uh, audiences and stuff like that. So are are those going to be your, the leads are the leads, your previous authors that you've had unbooked? Uh, I, I mean, dude, I'm going to leverage any fucking thing I ha- I can. So that means X-Files man, David Duchovny, your final, your, your, your Holy grail interview should <laughs> have head cleaner in his lap. Uh, that guy. So that I'll tell you a quick story about that. Um, we had decided to end booked as a podcast for a variety of reasons. And, um, but we hadn't really announced it. It was kind of a surprise. We just kind of dropped the final episode. 
Um, and like a week before the we recorded the final episode, Duchovny's manager contacted us because he had a new book out and he was like, hey, David wants to come on and talk. Let's work <laughs> th- work something out. And we're like, oh, well, <laughs> so. Gotta love that. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll see what goes on. I, I I could try to connect with the dude and see if anything comes of it. Um, now, well, the, you sh- what you should say is remember that episode of the X Files, the whatever whatever about <laughs> yeah. forehead sweat. Yeah, if I got a book for you, <laughs> that's a no. That's actually a great idea. Holy shit! All right, I'm not promising anything, but I will make an effort. I have his email address. I almost wore a booked t-shirt for this. And then I was like, yeah, that's a little bit. So what I did instead, I wore a shirt. It's the only shirt I have that I think is a movie reference. <laughs> it's funny. When I saw the top of it, I thought it was like uh, John Carpenter's the thing on the computer. It's like a uh, style. It's really pixelated. I was like, Oh, do you get some crazy like wait, niche? Yeah. Is that, uh, is that the fucking, the, the little kid shit, the video gamey <laughs> crap? Yes, it is. Some kid's name, right? Scott Pilgrim versus the world, man. That's it. Yeah, that's the that's the band logo for the band Sex Bob Omb. Yeah, Yeah. great film. I think it pretty sure it's the only um uh t shirt that I own that's got that's a movie reference. So I figured it was appropriate for for this. Dave, you're not really a big Edgar Wright guy. You kind of uh, you're always disappointed by his shit, right? No, I I think it's because of uh Shaun of the Dead Mm -hmm. came in so hot. It's such a perfect time that I thought it was so good. And then everything has been pretty good, pretty good. Okay. Okay. And I don't think I've ever gotten that, that high again, you know? See, I think hot fuzz is my fave. I thought he actually yeah. did like a good one too. And, and actually I, I like all those movies up until the last one I was kind of let down by, but I could see what you're saying. I'd agree with that. Hot fuzz is probably the one that I go back to. Cause I know Shaun of the dead, front and back right hot fuzz has some surprises but that one even seemed when i saw in the, the- i saw them all in the theater so i right yeah i thought oh, this it seems a little long or it seems like it's not as funny because Shaun mm. of the dead was so fucking funny like everything was just <laughs> that, that movie's dude that's a perfect film really right that's so, honestly how i feel about hot fuzz is like you can't really pick it apart it's fucking phenomenal start to finish i love that one too yeah. And there's a lot to I let the first half of World's End is is hysterical. Um, yeah, I, I, just I, I, ideas. I don't know. I, I I dug it. I, that's the one where I actually got to meet them and for the press junket for that movie for World's End. So I got to do a roundtable and interview those guys. Oh wow! And that was that was really fun. And um, it was one of the things where I'm like, I liked your movie. I didn't say it. I was like, but I think it's my least favorite of everything you've done. <laughs> and I, you know, because I was like, I'm not gonna fuck this up like right away. This is my first time meeting like you know a director or whatever. I'm, I'm gonna try to be cool about it, but yeah, it's so weird that he, the, whatever I liked about those early movies, he seemed to develop a kind of a different style, and now that's kind of what he's known for. Um, well, I guess those things were present in Shaun of the Dead, but it became like that. I, I call it like the Requiem for a Dream edits. You know those like yeah and then that kind of stuff was not a big deal if it was i don't remember in shawn of the dead but then in baby driver and um what was the one right before that oh the scott pilgrim yeah um it seemed like when is when has he become this um 
kind of action guy. I don't know. I don't know. He's good. I mean, that's the thing is that the bar was so high that yep. I kept waiting for it to get back up there. I like to think that in the head cleaner world, there's a version of us talking about Mick G the same way, with the same reverence. <laughs> like, it's so much promise, man. And then Mick G, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Spread around Charlie's yeah. Angels four. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> Wasn't he uh heavily into directing um music videos and stuff uh before I think he got his start doing music videos. McG? McG, yeah. Yeah, McG. I actually just recently rediscovered that he did a, a video a music video of Kirsten Dunst for turning Japanese for inclusion into a, an art museum. So she sings a cover. They're in the middle of Japan. She's dressed like Sailor Moon with purple or blue hair. And I was like, why did this happen? And I read up. It's like, yeah, apparently they had some museum uh, art thing and they asked him to do something. He asked Kirsten Dunn. She's like, I got this great idea. And that's what they did in like 2009 or something. Might be the best things ever done, though. It's, it's pretty fun looking. <laughs> I don't know. That Charlie's Angels movie. I you know remember. What? I liked Crispin Glover in it. Is there, yeah. does anybody know that guy's real name? Crispin Glover? <laughs> Mick G. Oh. Is Mick, is oh. Mick G Crispin oh, I was like, Glover? I'm pretty sure it's Glover. Oh, you know what? <laughs> if Mick G was Crispin Glover, it would explain a lot. Isn't the whole story of Crispin Glover, though, in that movie? He um he hated the scripts. He's like, I'm not going to say any of this dialogue. I'll be in the film. And so they made his film his character mute. <laughs> oh, that's I would love yeah. it. If that's not the case, I'm just going to choose to believe. Right. That's what I assumed what happened is. with that uh, Nicolas Cage one where he's stuck in the Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. Uh, right, the Fred, yeah, Freddy's whatever we call it. You know. Yeah, doesn't he refuse to speak in that one too? It makes a lot. I haven't seen it, but it makes a lot of sense. Did you? Do you really want to know what McG's name is? Because I'm on Wikipedia right now. Yeah, let's hear. It. Is it actually have a Mick in it, or is that just? It does. Okay, Joseph McGinty Nickel. So the middle There's... name is Mc, McGinty. Oh, McGinty. Huh. Yeah. Okay. You know, so if you would have kept it, then he had like a McGinty Cuddy thing when he cuts the films or edits them or something. There's some, there's somewhere to go there. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we demystified really... that. The magic is gone with McG. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I was hoping that they, that's what they named him. <laughs> that's what he was just destined it's, for greatness. No, McG. it's a, it's a, that's a dumb like college roommate nickname. I'm sure that stuck. <laughs> my hey, my Dave. Work. Oh. No, but to say my only other really like film reference that you can see is this clock right here. Oh, okay. I don't know if you can make out what's going on, but it's uh, is there a movie where clocks are hung way too low? What movie is no. that? <laughs> no, 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 uh, it's also not reading the right time because um, it's loud when it actually works, but um, it's uh, from the TV show Hannibal where they make him draw a clock and it's all fucked oh, up. That was so a good, it's part. the actual that was, a, that was the best part of that show. Yeah, it's a fucked up clock. I've got kind of a, this seemed to be the best place to film. When I do class, when I teach, I'm, I'm in my bedroom, but it's it's a horrible setup. Um, but I've got a skylight, so it's washing everything mm. out. So um, mm-hmm. it gave me an excuse to wear this this hat. This is the only time uh, adver- advertising I, has ever worked on me. I, see I this, bought that. I see it in my Facebook feed. I've never yeah. bought anything in I sent it to Amy and I'm like, if you're going to give me something for Christmas, I don't know why this hat calls out to me. It's got the uh, weathered trucker look to it. I, I didn't even remember that show very well. But there was, was something so, about this hat. Same thing. I almost, it looks great. And I was like, I'm not really a fan of that show. I feel like a phony. And it's, it's got like pre-battle damage. And I was like, oh, exactly. neat. Oh, yeah. 
because like I would never buy jeans with the pre-ripped thing. That that just like blows my mind. That's a popular thing. But a hat, I was like, oh, I can get away with this. See, I went for it, and it's really not only is it worn, it seems to be just stitched onto an old hat. Like the back of it, <laughs> the back's like yellow. Like oh, that's good. Like this is like, like a really old hat. Weird upcycling. But that's keeping me from that's making me visible because up here, I don't know if you can see, we've got the the skylight just ruins the light for everything. Hmm. I turned on the lights over there and it made things a lot worse. So Yeah. Lighting, man. You seem I to actually... have solved it. You guys seem to have solved it. So was, what did you do? You have <laughs> lights facing you from maybe I should get a flashlight. I have uh rope lights on the ceiling right above me running the length of this the side of the wall or you could do that you can get a flashlight is i also that have that that looks rope, great right rope there lights behind my it's shelf. subtle enough you know it doesn't draw attention to itself but it's effective this kind of hey there i am yeah there you go oh, oh that's why when they're on movie sets they're like it's so hot the lights are so hot let me try this you know the background like painting it's kind of a santa claus vibe going because like the red and the green it's working okay all right yeah hey that's that's a little better I'm learning in real time. <laughs> I'm wondering if he's frozen in real time too. I think that that was actually amazing that he said real time that it froze right then. Like, <laughs> yeah. you can't ask for anything better. Dave, you're back. That was uncanny. Yeah. A- accidental production value. Right. I've been having um, spotty internet stuff, so it would be my fucking luck that the first time I decided to record anything in forever. So I got to quit moving around. Every Maybe. time I move around, that happens. Oh, okay. Are you I recording guess. from your flip phone? <laughs> <laughs> this is a new computer. <laughs> this is so sad. Real quick. How, do, can you hear me very well? I know the picture shit, but yeah. Was, yeah. Cause I have a microphone I can plug in. Sure. No, you're fine. I think you sound, yeah, you sound good. I don't, I don't sound like muffled. The thing I do miss, um, going back to our book to days growing the up crickets. together, is like, yeah, the little like weird electronic cricket noise that always came out of you. And I don't uh, <laughs> like to this day, it had to be something in your computer, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It sounded like uh, Tony will recognize in, in Blowout when he's got the little wristwatch that. Zzz, yeah. Zzz, it sounded exactly like that. Yeah. I could never troubleshoot what it was, but if I if I recorded anything, you could just hear it. That zzz, zzz, sounded like an electronic cricket. Do you guys want to talk about head cleaner? Yeah, might as well talk about the book a little bit. Um, Tony, you came up as someone who was an early earlier reader of it. So were you? Yeah, as in um, yesterday, <laughs> today, <laughs> yesterday, pretty early. Early, earlier sorry, than Robert. most earlier than most (laughs) so you've read the book i have uh not finished the book but i have read i i've got an audiobook so i think i'm if not uh, a little past halfway maybe like two-thirds of the way um so i'll say this unless you really bungle the ending this might be (laughs) (laughs) well i'll say this I, i think it's um it's like your most pop book like it's it's just kind of like feels like short and punchy and, and just like, like a fun ride. And like, there's not even um, a moment to kind of uh, catch your breath in a good way. Like the hijinks and the weirdness just keep on like, 
it's like uh that video like turned down for what and I keep going through like the floors of the apartment building <laughs> and each each chapter I'm like what oh <laughs> what it's like, I'm like holy shit and so actually today um I listened to the audiobook mostly I was waiting for my car windshield to get fixed so I was walking around in the rain in Massachusetts I'm like kind of laughing to myself as strangers walk by because I have my headphones on and like, oh, I, I know I look kind of homeless already. It's raining and I'm doing <laughs> this. I was like, this is worth it. I'll find like a, I found like a parking structure to hide under for like the last hour. And I had a great time. So, um, it's, it's, I think it's, uh, and it's funny too. Um, I think you sort of, uh, it's not a greatest hits of what you've done before, but there's like little elements I feel like from some of your other books and some of your stories. Uh, but it's like in a, a really cool synthesis of them, but. It's also kind of its own thing. I feel like this is like uh, the part of your career where you're, you know what you're doing. You're, you're kind of just playing, and it's, it's like it's like you're you're doing like you're gonna take a solo, like you're a guitarist, and you're like he's, <laughs> he's making this up a little bit as he goes along. It feels like, and we're here for him to play, like watch him go up and down. Can he can he can he land this thing? So again, if you uh, don't land the ending, I will be a little <laughs> disappointed, but I, I I'm in loving it. Well, there, we should have a spoilers section. Um, I don't, I think it'd be fun to ruin some stuff for Tony <laughs> since, you know, he, he, he came in here into this arena, but also the ending is, I, I take a chance, I take a couple chances. I don't know if they work. Um, it is heading towards something that might not, um, you said it's heading towards something. Uh, that people might not, and then you froze up. So that's you know, some sweet suspense. I'm going to leave it. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> that might be better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I think the ending, if anybody will appreciate Tony will, but um, I don't know about general readers. Uh, and that's the thing I've never been able to really connect with. Maybe, I don't know. This is sort of an attempt for a more general audience. I don't know. Well, I was going to say years ago, maybe just a year ago, I think it was before that, on social media, you talked about you were writing a book which you thought might have the potential to be like a little more conventional, but I think that actually be- became the guitar book and not this. Am, am I mistaken? Or or is that the book that had not even been released yet? The book, the conventional book? So, I'm just so. not going to answer a single question. <laughs> you're like a, the whole time. You're like a button I'm, you're pushing that makes it look I like you're frozen. Well, I'm just free. I'm just going to, and I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> I actually thought for a second that it's real. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> but no, I think that I was probably talking about head cleaner when I was, because okay. it was, uh, I actually had somebody edit it. Um, I had mom, Nick Mamatas take a look at it. So we just got some really garbage internet going on, I guess. Mm. Yeah, mm. we'll make the best of it. Um, It'll be fine. I'm a master editor after a decade of being a, in podcasting, so that's true. It's going to sound perfect. <laughs> I'll try not to move. That might help. <laughs> and I'll try not to speak. <laughs> well, then, I mean, it'll just be a lot of my opinions about stuff. <laughs> Which so like you were talking about the ending, this doesn't spoil anything. But um, I, I was talking about uh, I was talking to my girlfriend about reading the book, and I was like, okay, I'm at the epilogue, and then uh, she's like, are you still reading? And I'm like, there's like five chapters of this epilogue, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is not common. Are there is, is there is that a 
I feel like epilogues are usually like a, a quick, like kind of button on the end, but it was like a whole section for David's book. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know what epilogues mean exactly. Um, but it, it, it's more of an afterthought. Uh, the, when I did, uh, when last projector came out, my friend Steve, uh, or sorry, my friend uh, Sal was reading it and he sent me an angry message and he's like, you're, you have six epilogues and they have car <laughs> crashes in them. <laughs> it's like, that's not an epilogue. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on in the epilogues, but uh, um, it's all, yeah, it's all good. Well, I don't know if Tony's at this, the, the gimmick yet, the idea that the characters think that they might be in experiencing some sort of time travel situation. No, yeah. yeah. I'm definitely past that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the the question becomes, can you fake that? Can, right. And is that, um, and if you are faking it, the experience is essentially the same anyway. <laughs> that's the that's the thesis. Which was an right. awesome. That was an awesome reveal, and I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming because you had me buy so into like the time travel aspect of things that um. Yeah, it was, un- it it was kind the, of unexpected. Yeah, that the same effects will spiral out from yeah. that situation. Not to say that it's not time travel. <laughs> I, I don't even... Honestly, if that question is answered, I forgot. But it might be... <laughs> I think it might be answered in like the last paragraph. So, Dave, um, is the kernel of this, like the idea of like how memory is faulty? Was that like just that ruminating on that? Or what, what was like the... Do you remember like the beginning of this? Yeah, the um, there was a short story I wrote for Lost Films that uh, had that kind of gimmick in it with the the idea of a of a VCR that if you kept rewinding it, ruining the tape, that the places where you're ruining the tape are actually affecting the film itself and not the physical tape. So that was kind of the the gimmick, and that was just from being around old media and stuff. But yeah, the um, the, the probably the biggest influence is primer mm. which i've probably seen 50 times by now and there's a moment in primer where i thought something was happening but it was the first time i saw it they take the lid off the thing while they're working on it and then the screen cuts to black and then it moves it jumps ahead and it starts telling you all these things that that are happening and the first time i saw it i thought that that was some indication that that was the moment when all these other timelines sprang from like by opening that box. I didn't know anything about the movie while I was watching it the first time. And I thought maybe there was some sort of temporal radiation came out of the box. And uh, later I realized it's much more low tech and analog than that. But I thought it was like some sort of time distortion that I freeze on the words time distortion. You did. Distortion, right. It was mid distortion. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I became obsessed with my own misinterpretation of that, of that movie. And if there was, and just, I don't know, it's kind of like what you're saying, Tony, the idea that it just thinking about the, my misinformation about that movie, uh, my confusion doesn't make it any less that experience of what I thought it was doing any less valid or real. And so I just started thinking about all those kinds of changes to personal changes to films, personal memories of films that are not accurate and Mm -hmm. how it doesn't matter. 
if you can have, yeah. if your memory is wrong, it's totally real to you. If the movie's based on real events, you've changed real events. <laughs> you know what mm. I'm saying? Like all yeah. this stuff is, uh, you're infected by your bad memory and then it'll affect everything else. So yeah, the, the book was based on my misremembering primer. And I worked in at least uh, four, five video stores or parts of record stores that were renting videos, those little little video store annexes. And all of our misadventures are in there. So that's probably yeah. why it's, it sounds so riffy and like, um, I don't know, maybe a little bloggy. Because it was, it was just it, us. It definitely out. feels like real anecdotes. A lot of the stuff and like the the sort of just like the, it's not really office uh, dynamics. It's 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 just you know retail dynamics. And I, you know, I, I was a video clerk for seven years. This all felt pretty real to me. Um, my other question was, so I, I, I like to kind of take things apart a little bit. The title head cleaner was that one of the first components? Because like the, that's a great title and it's really. Um, provocative i just think makes you think of a million like this story could be this or this could be that like when in the process did head cleaner become the title uh the original short story was called uh um flying eraser heads and uh so when i started expanding on it the short story is basically just they um uh they find the vcr and they get shot oh and that was kind of that was kind of the short story. So um, all of the the rebooting, the kind of Groundhog Day-esque stuff, that was where I thought I can just look at this from, if I look at it from every character's point of view, yeah. then I can, uh, I can really have some fun with it. Because it was mostly from Jerry's point of view, who, um, this will be a, did we have a Kevin Smith uh, reference earlier? Was that in, that might've been in real life. But if you, you guys remember in, <laughs> In Dogma, there's a really interesting aspect to the two angel characters. You guys are familiar with pretty yeah. familiar with Dogma. Yeah. So the what's fun about those the two angels that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck is that they switch personalities. Yeah. That by the end of Dogma, they're they're totally the the angel of death is like, <laughs> can we just dial things down here, guys? And the one who was like the kind hearted one, he's like, they're gonna fucking pay. So it's fun right. to watch the. It's actually very cleverly plotted that aspect of that movie where they slowly become each other. Yeah. Um, so that's essentially what happened where I took the short story. I'd kind of wanted to punish the Jerry character, but I didn't have enough time to really flesh him out as a, as a, he's, they're all supposed to be Gen X, Gen Y and Gen Z. So I wanted to really give it to particular generations. <laughs> and uh, by expanding on it, I could have these characters trade characteristics Literally by first, you know, they swap shirts, they swap yep. personalities, they, um, one becomes more sympathetic, hopefully, and one becomes less and less sympathetic, which is another thing that might not land depending on, I don't no, know where, uh, I, okay, great. Cause I never know where a reader attaches themselves. And, you know, there's always that, the crime of unlikable characters and the one that I decide is unlikable gets punished. But there is a chance that that one might be the likable character. So I don't, I can't even tell anymore. So, um, <laughs> no, I think it was successful. Yeah. Yep. So, the, uh, to answer the question, I wanted to reduce the title was already long for the short story. And as everybody started to swap identities um, and it started to balloon, I thought, well, the obvious move would be 
I'm not going to make a sentence title. I don't like those titles. So I right. just I thought maybe if it's just one word or two words and um, head cleaner seemed like the the way to go. And then I started finding all these extra meanings, even after I wrote the book, like it's speaking of Hannibal, it's uh, isn't that how he, he killed, <laughs> when he has that guy tear his face off? He's like, would you like a popper? So yeah, I he guess, gives him drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a nickname for, for those poppers. Um, but as far as like a psychologist as a head cleaner, right. And the fact that the head cleaner itself becomes like a, a, um, a possible uh, antidote, which was not in the short story, which is really set itself up like the, just by playing with old media at the house. Like that's where, that's where all the, the ideas are, are coming from. Basically. So how well, long the short story is what five years ago when that was published four years. Oh uh, yeah. It's time it was pre pre pandemic, I guess. Wasn't it? So did you like pretty quickly go, I want to um, blow this up a little bit or like, did you sit on yeah, it? A little bit? It um, Max Booth was doing his law. Lo- he had lost signals. And yep. then, uh, when he announced lost films, I thought that's a no brainer. You know, the last couple of things I wrote had dead media trickery in them. Um, last projectors full of tapes, cassette tapes. Um, and guitar case has got some tapes in it and videotapes and CDs. And so I thought, well, I've got to, I want to be part of that. Um, and so the, I did it as just a short story relatively quickly. And that kind of, I'm sure it was really obnoxious because then I sent a message to Max and Lori and said, I, this thing is now three times as long as this short story. How much of this do you want to put in there? And Max is like, God damn it. Give me the whole thing. So I, I was like, cause I, we can go with whatever, but this thing is getting bigger and bigger. And he's like, just give me whatever you've got. And so it's essentially a novella at the end of that anthology. It still ends where it ends, but everything just kept expanding. And then, um, when uh, there was a, a year when I was working on a different book and I thought I've, I've never been satisfied with where that story ended. Cause it seemed like there was so many other possibilities. And then whenever an anthology would come up and somebody would ask for a story or like with the, the dirty Boulevard one um, it was easy to plug in. Like I kept thinking about that. So that story in dirty Boulevard is from that universe. It's the Facebook campus, like a fucked up version of the Facebook campus uh, so all that stuff started kind of like with guitar case and last projector, everything I started working on after I wrote that short story seemed to be yeah, in the same right. world. Mm. So I just thought, well, I just got to glue it back together because otherwise I'm just telling the further adventures of these, you know, video store assholes. Why not just make it a big project? And so I expanded and I thought I'll, you know, see where it ends up. And it, it wrapped up much quicker than I thought it, uh, I thought this could be another beefy book and it turned out because it was by nature it's kind of redundant as far mm. as it's you know it's like Rashomon here's the version of events through three people's eyes there's no there's no more cast so I couldn't do another version yeah. of it right and um it seemed to wrap up in a in a natural way much quicker than I'm used to so and that might be part of what you're saying about it feeling like a pop book or a greatest hits like it was it's kind of like uh, here's a, another music reference for the um, who's the band that did Star Seed? What was that? Uh, Our Lady Peace. Do you guys remember Our Lady Peace? The Canadian band, yeah, vaguely, yeah. yeah. I have, yeah. So Our Lady Peace had a big hit with Star Seed, which was if you heard it, you'd probably recognize it. So they had another hit, but the song was twice as long. And then they were asked in an interview, "Where do you get your ideas?" And they said it's weird, like Star Seed 
came out in about 20 minutes and this other one that's a hit that sounds essentially like this to be honest it sounds kind of like the same song because they they had a sound that they stuck with yeah Uh, they said that took us months (laughs) and uh essentially there's no no listener can discern the difference in quality between these two songs but one of them was just like boink and one of them was like, oh, we're fussing over this and we're going to perfect this sound. And like, it sounds exactly like the other song. Right. So um, anyway, I guess what I'm saying is this happened uh, frighteningly quick, but I think it, um, I think all the stuff was still there that I would have fussed over for another four or five years and made 600 pages out of. It seemed to wrap up in three. Uh, jumping back to the title really quick. Um I think I was like 40 pages in and I messaged you. I said, the real head cleaner is the gun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And what I'm hearing from everything we've said is that's not the case. (laughs) Well, I mean, I thought it was clever. I was like, if this is how it it pans out, that would be a clever misdirect on the term head cleaner. The the head cleaner is whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I thought that, in the intro, your description of the brains hitting the floor, uh, very beautiful and uh, really, uh, I don't know, it was, it, it was it was interesting. And then um, that part, that that passage was really um, kind of stayed with me a little bit. But then um, later on, this is more of just like a quick thing. I was like, oh yeah, it's a really fun way to put that. Um, like all the um, the men in black cars, like the cop cars, the authority cars, and it's like a pack of orcas because black and white. And I was like, oh, that's great. Because, yeah, you see all those kind of cars and people in those black and white outfits. That's what it looks like a pack of killer whales, like descending on somebody. Yeah, the that opening, um, if, if anything, that was the part that was probably fussed over just because it was in the short story. And then when I revisited it, it started to, it's like, I want to put some fucking metaphors in there and <laughs> you know, just do some sentence level stuff, you know, not just, <laughs> not just banter. You're, you're, you're good at that though. Like, um, I was just, I re-listened to some of our, like the old, uh, live recordings of some of your stuff recently, Dave. And what there's one, um, from that ended up being in last projector, but it wasn't, you know, when you did the reading, uh, with the porn actors and, Oh, the um, head breakfast. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing that there was like one, there was like, you do this, uh, like sometimes in your writing where like, this line is way too beautiful for the thing it's talking about Mm. because like uh, they were all, it was when they all took their robes off and I don't remember exactly how it's stated, but it's something like four robes fall with the gentle thud, like snow off a rooftop or something like that. (laughs) And I'm like, that's fantastic. And it's, and it's, it, 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 so I like, I'll tell someone about it and I'll just be like, for, for that though so like you you have you you have a way of wording things in a beautiful and very like evocative way and it's just funny that sometimes the subject maybe didn't earn like the the level that you like brought it to um but yeah like those was, little those little things jump out at me often when i'm when i'm reading your stuff that's fun yeah the uh the robes that but it's kind of the big white fluffy robe kind of feels snow like to me so that one maybe suits it more than some of the like the I think the plant the brains were kind of like playing cards. That might have been a metaphor I was 
I was really wanted it to work. And I don't know, it's like, you can kind of see the strings on when you, when you fuss over something a little too much. Uh-huh. My, actually, my dad was listening to the, uh, to the audio tape. I sent him a, a copy of that. Cause it's got a weird release where the, when they sold the audio rights, Blackstone puts it out much faster than the paperback because the paperback is wallowed in printing issues apparently. Yeah. Mm. So the paperback got pushed back, but it's, it already exists in this, um, this narrated form. So I sent one to my dad because he's, he's got bifocals and he never seems to read that much anymore. And I figured he'd listen to it and he's been stuck on the first couple pages now for two weeks where he, he just keeps talking about, he's caught up in the narration and he, he, he thinks I I think from what I've listened to it, the D does such an even keeled job of even when he comes about to the violence stuff that I like that. But for my dad, he's like, he's not highlighting any of the violence and I don't know what's important or not. And, um, you know, there was describing this violent scene in such a complicated way that I he's like, I keep going back and re-listening to it. And I'm like, oh, no, he's never going to get off the metaphor of the parades <laughs> and the playing card because he's like, I there's something there I need to analyze it's like but you don't (laughs) no i i think the narrator is good um he he does enough for the actual dialogue when you know when you're kind of got to push in a little bit more and and yeah i think they're doing a great job i also noticed like right away first intro we have another dave keaton weird animal like sidekick (laughs) like what's this is great but you you do this a lot like what's what's your you, you just like love animals you love weird animals like well, that was, that's just based on it. We had a calico and, and they have, you know, they're polydactyl. So they have extra fingers. Um, this, this calico taught me that. What's that? I, this book taught me that. I did not true, understand it's that. It's crazy. And not only does. I met that cat. You met Nell. Yeah. Not I, only did I, Nell, yeah, have, cat. Nell had extra two claws that were coming out here. So she had like seven fingers. I don't like that. Uh, yeah. So. It, it is a little bit, it's a little unsettling. So it, that's why it had to go into the book. There was a different cat that used to reach under and grab that spring and go. Doing, doing, doing. <laughs> so um, it's a, it's an amalgam of cats. It's all the cats I've known, but the, the calico, the freaky calico is, is, is real. And so it's more real than the critter and guitar case, which right. <laughs> I don't even know what that well, is. Well, I was, I was one thing I thought was, is this the same cat through the whole book? Mm. Um, because I think that one of the things that I, 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 that happens when I read uh, David's books is I start to question if I'm thinking about things the way that he would. And um, so I think I got in my head about the cat. I'm like, is this the same cat? There's enough like um, uh, ambiguity about things where it could be just like, a different cat gets <laughs> in the mix, but it's just me fucking thinking about it too much. I was being your dad about the cat. <laughs> Rob, are you my dad? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm his girlfriend, which is really common. I was going to say, Tony's of... your stepmom, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to put a ring on it. I don't want to pressure you, but we're not getting younger. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, you you wrote a short story about um, about this big bug, and then someone someone crushes it, and it was really um, it was a really pretty beautiful story, and like it's really uh, a lot of heart to it, and especially for the subject matter, because I'm not really I'm kind of freaked out by bugs. I'm trying to remember 
That was yeah. a big that, praying mantis at a video. That was at a family video. Yeah, actually. I was gonna say it was exactly. So, like that story, I take this opportunity. That story is kind of uh, every time I see a freaky bug, instead of trying to st- not that I stomp on them usually, but like I'm now like <laughs> I'm like afraid you'll, you'll find out karmically. So I'm yeah. like just trying to be cool. I'm like, walk away. I'm not gonna mess with you. I'm not gonna try to scream. I'm not disgusted by you, but I am. Um, so you've changed me. That's great. Well, I mean, surprise party. That's a surprise party for a bug. And that's a form of aggression stomping on the bug. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'd buy that. That's a good point. Yeah. That was based on video Mm -hmm. store adventures. Uh, There was a fucking, there was a praying mantis out on the pillar. If you've ever seen a family video, they always had that weird uh, glowing pillar in front of them. And there was a praying mantis sitting on there because it was a great place to catch bugs. Mm -hmm. And uh, some with his bag of tapes and smashed it and which ruined my year essentially because i was just <laughs> seething about that right and why did you do that you little fucker so um that's why he's in uh he's in that story and punished it's just <laughs> over and over again sure i had a actually now that i think about it i, I kind of forgot about it but i had walked out of my apartment um like a month ago and there's just a dead praying mantis like right in front of my door and it's I, I don't see a lot of praying mantis around here i'm like in just outside of chicago um and it's just like it was almost like it was presented like a neighborhood cat or something was like here Probably, this guy's yeah. gonna really dig this bug um so yeah um, they're they're very unearthly with their little they got the little cat head on them and they're on <laughs> birds where they're catching uh hummingbirds Oh Jesus! At first, I thought you meant cats or weird with like their cat heads. I'm like, well, they got <laughs> cat heads. What are we talking about here? Yeah, no, like no. praying mass has that little green cat head on them. But yeah, that's true. There's a series yeah. of videos where they're catching. They 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 camp out at uh, at those hummingbird feeders and they just pull them in. Jesus Christ! And it's nothing you want to see. Sure, right? horrifying. For some some reason, YouTube thought you 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 should check this out. <laughs> it was tough. Yeah. Luckily, the guy filming it, he flicked the flick the bird free he was filming it and he as soon as the bird started to squawk he went and flicked it so it got away and then a bunch of people in the comments were giving him shit about they're like that's nature you interfered with nature and he said well if it's nature the praying mantis wandered into the backyard of an apex predator who disrupted the blah 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 blah. so he's like so i was part of nature plus i made the bird feeder not to have this horror show outside my window every day hey i had a Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to jump back to a different topic because I just thought of something. Um, uh, cause uh, Tony mentioned the whole like, um, memories thing. And we kind of had that. And I, I thought about why I was like, something was like bothering me. I'm like, I have a thought on this, but I don't know what it is. Uh, did you guys watch the later seasons of the X files that came out like in the last handful of years At, oh like i saw a couple episodes there's one when the skull gets really sexy because there's a lizard man misremembering things i think yeah that we're talking about yeah. not that episode but okay. um that was good in the in the final season there's a there's an episode that has it's all about mm-hmm. the mandela effect and kind of the conceit of the person who's behind the mandela effect kind of thing in the in the episode the guy's like it it doesn't matter. Like, you know, uh, if I change what everybody remembers to something else and you remember it, this, none of it matters. Like it all boils down to like who fucking cares. And so right. I, I wanted to know if either of you guys had seen that because it's one of the, um, 
oh, fuck, I can't remember the name of the person. There's a person who does like throughout the history of X-Files, like some of the better uh, received episodes. And it's one of theirs. Huh. I just can't remember who it is. Sounds like a great idea. What's the name of the episode? The Lost Art of Forehead Sweat. And it's the final, <laughs> it's the final season. Um, huh. Yeah. And so it's they, the ta- same- they were talking about Mandela effects back in the nineties, huh? I guess no, no, saying, no, this was 20 revival. Yeah, this was season 11 that came out yeah. like in 2018 or whatever, Twin Peaks 2019. That shit kind of. And it, yeah. Wow, I didn't even know that. I've only seen maybe three or four X Files. That's probably not true. I probably watched the whole first season, but I was, it was always on, but I, um, yeah, I, I wasn't all in on the, on the mythology of it. I did like them. I remember liking them very much. Yeah. They're it was they're pretty corny back then. There'd be like a CGI fucking lizard monster slinking around the woods and stuff. Like yep. it did, I, it wasn't really like, is this real? We'll never know. It was like, no, it's a, <laughs> there's a CGI thing out there. He was like yeah. Scully was <laughs> wait, which Mulder? Mulder was always right. I thought it was gonna be this this, <laughs> this debate, this ongoing debate between reality and and it's like, no, he's always right. The thing is always real. Like well, that was the down. problem of the show, though, because like eventually, you're like, why is Scully not believing? They've seen ghosts. They've <laughs> right. seen, like <clears throat> you just saw one last Dude, week. Definitely, ever... though. Definitely yeah. watch uh, the that Lost Art of Forehead Sweat one because, like, the beginning of that episode is Mulder just being like, you know, um, everything that I was so excited about back in the day has all been disproved. It's all just lies. <laughs> and he's just like, it doesn't fucking matter anymore. Um, so it's, uh, it's like a commentary on a little bit of a commentary on, on that whole thing. That, so that reminds me of Spiel- Go ahead, Tony. No, I was gonna say, this reminds me of Spielberg's whole thing about, he doesn't really believe in aliens anymore. He's like, yeah, yeah you know, I was all about it in the seventies and the eighties, but he's like, <laughs> at this point, everyone has so many cameras and just, we haven't yeah. caught any, you know, definitive proof. He's like, I just don't think they're, uh, I don't think they're here. I was like, yeah. what? You're like the guy. You're like the big yeah. guy. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's what this, that, that's, there's a, I looked it up. There's a writer who did a bunch of X-Files episodes. His name is Darren Morgan. If you find a Darren Morgan episode of X-Files, it's going to be fucking top notch. Um, mm. But like, it's that one, Tony, you were talking about was, um, it's called Mulder and Scully meet the were lizard. Yeah. And the whole idea is um, this guy who's like a were lizard actually is a lizard that got bit by a human and turns <laughs> into a human. Um, and the were lizards played by uh, the Ray New Darby. Ray yeah. Darby. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. So that episode, Rob, you're talking about that sort of sort of paying lip service to the to the complaint that Scully is never right. It's like saying that things have been debunked and that that that's interesting yeah. you've seen them all right you're a big fan yeah i've gone through yeah the whole series do they yeah. ever do they ever like scooby do it do they ever have they, they're like oh it was so and so all along or is it always supernatural that's kind of what the the final season is is trying to do is huh. kind of give closure to the kind of two different ideas one being all of this supernatural shit is real. And the other being like, it's all a lie or it's a government thing or whatever. And they, they try to resolve it. It's a little bit. um, I I don't know. Uh, I guess my answer is no, they don't really like, (laughs) they don't resolve it like in a satisfying way, but there's some cool stuff that happens at the very last episode that you're like, finally, 
finally this motherfucker got what he deserved. So <laughs> that's like, uh, it reminds me of when uh, Mamatas was helping me edit the book, when he was editing the book, the first draft, the first thing he sent me was a note that said, throw it out, start over. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> and I was like, God damn. <laughs> just made, was that supposed to inspire me? But then he would have these notes in it where when you're talking about the finally at the end, you got some information that was tangible in that X-Files. He came to a, to a point in the book where the, the characters were asking questions about what was happening to them, which that's the stuff I love. I like, that's why I love Zodiac so much. Cause it's just people yeah. talking about with never coming to a conclusion. I just want to see people talking about stuff. Yeah. And so he put notes in the margin saying, we get to know, we get to know what's going on here. We get to know. And so when, things start to be revealed maybe kind of hastily towards the end. He says, he just put in all caps, finally, like Jesus Christ, finally. <laughs> so did, um, it sounds like his, the X-Files pulled a finally. Did you follow his advice and throw it out and start all over again? Hell fuck no. Thank, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I was, I was going to be astonished. Like, holy shit, really? He just did it? No, so. no, 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 no. No, no. I'm risking the stability of this internet. My head. No, no, no. I would never. I don't throw out anything. If there's, if there's something not working, I'll turn it into something else. I'll, right. You know, I, I don't understand these people. I see people say, I just cut 20,000 words from my work in progress. Well, you should be sent to Leavenworth because no <laughs> one should do that. Who told you to do that? So is your approach more like if this part's wrong, I add 15,000 words that contextualizes the other stuff. It makes it all make sense. Yeah. It's from the theory of the characters can be wrong, man. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I don't have to, if the book's not wrong, the characters are wrong. I'm I'm picturing Dave making spaghetti sauce and like, he just dumps like way too much like salt. Give me a potato. Give me me four potatoes, five potatoes. It'll be fine. Dinner's three hours later. It's like always oh, sunny. We're going to need about five more cats to get the cat out of the wall. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Dave, rank your animal characters throughout your books. I Because th- I think the pig iron horse is like number one for me. That the horse is <laughs> the hole in its head. Super cool. What, what, what's your ranking of these little guys? Wow, I got to think of what, what an- which ones have animals in them. I guess um, well, there's the first story I published that got, a, that got actually a uh, prorated payment was nine cops killed for a goldfish cracker. So a goldfish was heavily featured in that. Right. Um, but it had no real personality. I mean, it was, I would say in the horse, like that whole book is since I was trying to flip all the Western tropes, it's about hating horses, <laughs> which, <laughs> which people that don't like, I mean, people that like <laughs> Westerns don't particularly like that. <laughs> Weird. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So the, so the, the book, I mean, it sets that horse up to be pretty awesome, but everybody's just like so hateful towards their horses that it's, that it kind of rubbed off on me. Um, there was an old website back in the early, uh, e-bombs world days of the internet. It was called like, I hate horses. Do you guys remember this? No. And it no. was just somebody ranting about, they shit everywhere instead of putting they and they nail shoes to their feet. How stupid do you have to be to have shoes nailed to your feet? They should <laughs> nail. They need to nail pants to its ass. It was just somebody screaming about horses. Is this person you? <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was Dave. And it, it turns out 
<laughs> last season of the X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> I hate horses. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um probably the 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 creature in guitar case is mm. most endearing because it's um yeah, because it's uh I think it's it, it's so indicative of all these other emotional moments like and it was based on an actual cat that i rescued rob knows all about that story Uh, i won't uh return to it but essentially it's it's based on a a cat rescue situation and um and it became like his his touchstone it was if you guys have seen uh bring me the head of alfredo garcia yeah Yeah, in the the sin city episode or section that tarantino directed the idea of having some sort of inanimate or dead or whatever thing in the car with you and talking to it the whole time is not new. Um, but I'm just in love with that idea. And so that whatever the fuck it was becomes like a sounding board for some very emotional confessions. And that book is kind of a diary of my time in Louisville. So I spent a lot of time talking to that fake animal. Yeah. So I would probably say that that one, and plus it's on the, and it's on the cover. Um, it's the real, it's a real highlight. The, now the cat in the head cleaner is more of like a, um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say it, a catalyst <laughs> <laughs> and uh, less of a, less of a fully realized. Cat. All right. I like that. Nice. Yeah. I, I'm I'm glad you included the goldfish um, from, <laughs> nine cops killed in that book right there oh right there yeah that is a that is that that's a and fish bites cop is obviously the a reference to that story too that was one that i always was going to expand into a novel where i when i finished it i thought i oh, mean i could keep going with that i could keep killing cops <laughs> <laughs> why should there why stop with nine is not nine's a cursed number let's keep going um, oh nine. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Rob Olson cop killer. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> Let's put that on the record. <laughs> I've killed zero <laughs> cops. Oh uh, yeah. We're your um, friend. You can tell us. It's no big deal. So <laughs> talking about other books though, um one of the things about the one of the things that's kind of a thing in head cleaner, uh, especially kind of later on, is the idea of uh, an electronic thing being the last one made and mm-hmm. somehow that imbues it with uh, some sort of, you know, specialness or, or something. Um, and, and uh, you know, reading through the book at some point, my mind just popped with the words, the last projector. And I was like, fuck, do I have to rethink about <laughs> this book or am I like yeah. doing the Dave's dad thing again where I'm just thinking too hard about it? And he just likes the idea of the last stuff and it, and it bled over. Yeah, or something. The, the last is a, it's, you know, it's, it's like a talisman, right? The, and also this is, you're going to like this, the, um, I found out very recently, you guys might already know this, the last VHS tape to be produced. Do you know which one it is? No, I stumbled onto this, I was looking for something else and I came across an eBay listing that had ended and it said, be a part of videotape history, the last produced VHS tape ever. And it's uh, a history of violence, the David Cronenberg movie. Weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Is that 
is that um the 2003 ish or something like that yeah so it's the last i guess they still make them overseas in different countries there's vhs is still going but as far as in north america um Mm. you know it's a it's a really okay pretty decent cronenberg but now it's got it's taken on this mythological stat like i got to get a hold of that tape right uh, i looked it up and people are selling it for like 500 bucks (laughs) you can find one um it's tough to find them now and but that's i keep thinking like how do i not have the last vhs tape i didn't know that it was it's like one of those things where would anybody be paying attention enough to know that that was the end right you know what i mean like um Whereas with the VCR, it's that's what that was on Wikipedia that that particular VCR was the last one. Yeah, so. I I just thought of a kind of a head cleaner moment with uh, a movie that is different than the way that I watched it, <laughs> and I'm sure that we've got I'm, I'm sure we've all got these, but this is the one that stands out in my head, and it's for kind of dumb but not dumb reasons. The movie Scarface was originally like a two two VHS like thing you had to play two two tapes yeah and um uh, so that's the that's the way i watched it the first time and um i had been into this band called my life with a thrill kill cult they're like a electronic kind of loungy band i don't know if you're familiar with i i yeah i was always surprised by what they sounded like with such an amazing name name. yeah yeah so they, I can't remember, one of their songs has a sample in it with, it's just a guy saying, I always wanted to be a movie star. And it just stuck in my head because I'd heard that song so much. Then I watch Scarface and I hear that line and I know for a fact, like, this is where that came from. This was sampled. I rewound it. I'm like, okay, I played again. And then um, the, the VHS kind of ceased to exist for a while. And then like eventually I think it came out on DVD, but there was this like gap of time where Scarface wasn't like readily available. And then, so the next time I see it, I haven't watched Scarface a ton of times. It's just, I'd seen it more no, than once. I actually, once was VHS. Yeah. Once was DVD. And that I always wanted to be a movie star sample is not in the current version of Scarface. So Ooh. things changed. Ooh, like it's not there that. anymore. You did that. Yeah. Dude, Scar- Scarface resonates. Like there's, I had almost the identical experience that you did with, uh, with, I, I have probably seen Scarface. I would say probably at least, uh, at least as much as primer. And that's a lot. Cause it was always <laughs> on. And it was, even though it was two tapes back in the day, I don't know if you guys remember, they did a re they re-recorded the soundtrack to make the gunshots louder because it became <laughs> such a staple in the, in the rap community. It became such a popular movie. Oh. That it's like a lot of people, a lot of people that like rap music were renting it and saying, Hmm, this doesn't have that, that extra thing I want. And so they went back and re you can find versions of the DVD that say new soundtrack, louder action. And they just beefed up the gunshots <laughs> So anyway, that's uh, crazy. That's like worse than uh, than Spielberg <laughs> turning guns into walkie-talkie. Walkie- yeah, <laughs> dude, the Palma is cool with that. All right, go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's so <laughs> weird. I think that he's pretty cynical about the the yeah. the popularity of that and how it expanded. But anyway, um, so I, I knew that movie backwards and forwards, and and then I, you know, I was at the, from the age where Grand Theft Auto was huge. Gen X loved Grand Theft Auto. 
And uh, if you guys have played on the PlayStation 2, there's if you drive around, you can listen to the radio stations in it. And there's a radio station where all the songs are songs from Scarface. For some reason I had forgotten or miss, I don't know. I just, I didn't realize that all those things were in Scarface. So I yeah, went yeah, back yeah. to, so I went back to Scarface and I got to just see it through new eyes. I was, I was like, this is like Grand Theft Auto. So I was like, uh, I'm sure that's what younger generations do is they go, they see things backwards. They yeah. get they, the reference becomes the thing. And then yeah. the thing it references becomes the reference. And so with Scarface, by going back and hearing all the Grand Theft Auto songs that I'd forgotten about, it's like, oh, this is what it's like to be a kid again. <laughs> you know, this is this is how they're experiencing it. But anyway. No, you totally right at the reference thing. Like like all the old samurai movies, I watched them because of Star Wars and Western movies, like the spaghetti westerns. Right. And so forever, even though I know the order of things, they're they to me are an offshoot of those movies in some emotional way, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. But Rob, with your Scarface famous thing, issue with um Sorry, the famous issue with John Carter is everybody said, eh, it's just Star Wars. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, it is. <laughs> but, but get, well, it's one of those things that's like, you know, like Dune, for instance, like Dune, it sort of feels like Star Wars and it feels like a bunch of things because like people pick the bones from it, you know? Right. And it's like uh, at the mouth of our, at the mountains of madness at this point, if you make a movie of that, it's the thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, uh, that's cool. But what can you do about that? Really? You know? Right. Yeah. Right. But real quick, Rob, uh, with your Scarface thing. So yeah. there's a version of Scarface you, you can't find that has a couple lines or something like it's just, it's out there. Are you wrong? Well, well, that's a that's probably the best question to ask, and I don't know how to answer it. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the original time I watched it on those VHS, the line was in there, and then the next time I watched it when I was on DVD, that line did not exist. So um, you might either... have watched, but they fucked with that soundtrack. So who knows? Yeah, it's one of those things where they they it's like and they didn't go ahead. They didn't explicitly say that like this is a new edit. It was just right. on, on a new form of media. So I was expecting the same thing. And when it wasn't the same, um, I was like, I, I, I fucking well, we know. Could probably, we could probably solve this. So this was a DVD. Yeah. Was the cover black and white or um, black and silver? I'm sure it was black and white, but I, I that's just, the re-edit. I that's the, that's the new beefed oh. up soundtrack. If the black and silver one is the old, the one that was transferred from the, from like videotape and laser disc, but the one that's black and white that looks just like the American gangster poster essentially right. is um, that's the new soundtrack where they, it's kind of like the loudness wars with music. They crank shit up. So maybe they did some trims and maybe they, your line got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. They so, sn- snuck in some edits or something. And back to that, Dave. So you tell me like enough, <laughs> enough people were like, yeah, these guns sound kind of wussy. Like we need some loud guns. They changed the fucking movie. I guess. I remember looking at it in the store and it was like new soundtrack, louder action or something, some phrase like that. Oh my God, it's amazing. And it was, it is louder, which is, yeah. I mean, I I want that for everything now. I'm like, you know, Beast Nash is pretty cool, but he's not that ripped. Can you get him some (laughs) or something? Like, can we. Now with oilier muscles. Yeah, oilier muscles, the ferret, 10 times cuter. What else can we, what else can we beat? (laughs) What? All right. What a beautiful reference. Like, I remember watching the shit out of Beastmaster when I was like a kid. And I've been so tempted so many times to rewatch it as an adult. But like, it's that thing where I'm like, I don't want the magic to like crumble in my mind. Like, I want to preserve it. 
but if it holds up i'm watching that because like i the thing i remember is these weird things that would like hug you and then like oh yeah yeah turn you into goop yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I, just, I just discovered this recently on like I think the Tarantino podcast or some like movie podcast but like the cinematographer is the same dude who did like Godfather who did this did Beastmaster and, it's like, <laughs> and like you know that's not that many years apart kind of so it's like what the shit happened to your career and as a kid I remember Rip Torn his nose piece he's a prosthetic nose and I was like that's the guy from the Gary Shand- or Larry Sanders and my mom's like yeah I was like no he looks totally different mom's like no 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 that's a fake nose I'm like they could do fake noses back then. She's like, you don't know anything. <laughs> but the thing they is, do fake if, noses you, back if then. you watch Beastmaster, that's cool. You got to watch BM2. BM2 is where, you know, the men become boys. <laughs> 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 it's a time travel movie. Beastmaster comes to modern times. He's got like a Ferrari and shit. Oh, it's, shit. No, are you serious? Uh-huh. Does he yeah. have his, uh, does he have his uh, panther with him? I believe the only guys he brings are the, the two ferrets. I think the panther has to stay home. I could be wrong. I recently learned that the you know the, the world just keeps chipping away at the legacy of Beastmaster for poor Rob. But I recently learned there's no, <laughs> such, there's no such thing as a panther. That there's only, there's a black leopards. What? That a panther is not a thing. I, I swear I just read this. There's no so, such. Are you thing telling me Wakan is not forever? What the fuck are you saying? I'm t- I just read it somewhere. Unless I read that there's no such thing as a le- no. It has to be oh, a, good. a leopard. There's no such thing as a panther. It's a black leopard. You know, I, I I can't tell if you're like man on the mooning me or is this no, it's real. Somebody has. <laughs> if only we had a device that right. could check. But there's no such thing as a panther. That's kind of nuts. That's uh, all right. I'll, and even the and isn't that the famous case with Beastmaster that that wasn't even a it wasn't even black they like spray painted it or something. Oh, shit. I love that. This, I hope it's a cinematographer from Godfather. I was like, you know, it looks good better on camera, right? You get a, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, totally. They painted some old, some old leopard, or something. They painted some. They painted Cigar- some old. They painted some carny, and they paid him in cigarettes. Exactly. He just walked around in all fours. You got to get a white Dalmatian dog. Continue the paint job, and then it looks like a leopard every time. It's just That's- movie magic. It's uh, yeah. It's movie magic. So within the book, within Head Cleaner, how many? I'm guessing like every time we talk about movie and the changing of the ending. Some of these are jokes. Some of these are these like your ideas, like how you would fix them. Because I know you like to fix things. Yeah. You know? It was that was one of those things where. I, oh, was, is this going to be your script doctor? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Segment, <laughs> but you're like invading MySpace. <laughs> it was it was one of those things where it was just a happy accident where I, they needed banter. They're in a video store, mm. and it was a there's like a meme going around where it says "fix a movie in one line." Right. And. um the book is essentially a very serious version of fix a movie in one line. And it is, uh, so, like you said, some of them are just cause it was funny. Um, and some of them are script doctors. Some of them are just excuses to do goodwill hunting jokes. Uh, <laughs> most of them are. And, uh, the others are just an obsession, like a really deep obsession with the movie black Sunday which sadly is the same name as a Mario Bava movie classic. Yeah. yeah I was confused. Yeah. I was confused for like the first couple mentions. I was like, what? There's, nah, what, there's no, a Super Bowl. Yeah. I was like, there's no <laughs> fucking like now you're an American. What? Okay. Yeah. It's uh, I was obsessed with that movie when I was a little kid. I even had a Goodyear blimp toy because I'd seen that. It was one of those movies where they'd let me watch it too early. Oh, okay. 
And I don't know, are you guys familiar with the film? I was not, no. no. So, it, I mean, just real quick, there's a sequence in it where somebody is, the idea is somebody wants to blow up the Super Bowl, but the, the, a bomb isn't good enough in this creepy, weird movie. So they're going to blow it up. They're going to shoot millions of darts into like the faces of everyone at the Super Bowl. That's how they're going to kill them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Love it. So, it's this, so this guy is going to build this special bomb that's going to be in the basket of a Goodyear blimp. So it's like an inverted oval, just like a stadium. So if it lowers itself into the stadium, it'll, the spread will cover every face. Happens at a Super Bowl that the president's going to be there. So this is a way to kind of kill two birds with one stone. So it was a rehearsal for it because there's no way in this movie that's, and that was part of the criticisms of the movie is like people were a bunch of morbid freaks and they wanted they wanted to see that bomb go off as, yeah. as it's described. So to give you to give the ghouls a taste, they have a mm. rehearsal for it in the film where and in the novel. This is a this is the guy who wrote um, Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs. Oh, Harris, yeah, yeah. So this is Harris's first novel. So there's a rehearsal for it in the novel where he takes a small version. He takes a, an airplane hangar and he just builds a. He puts it on like a rowboat. He puts the bomb and the darts in this rowboat. And then he has somebody go, or he's, he's just going to set it off, and then he can look at all the holes in the airplane hangar where the sun comes through, and he'll get an idea of whether it would work or not. He'll do the math. But then somebody comes by that kind of happens on what he's doing, and he's like, what are you doing out here? What, this is my property or something. And he's like, huh, can you go stand in here? I'm taking pictures. <laughs> it's a new special camera. And so in the, both in the book and the movie, you get to see what would happen to everyone at the Super Bowl if this happened? And so anyway, long story short, I saw that way too young. And I was like, oh, my God, because it was such a low tech way to a low tech terrorist device, if that makes any sense. You know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't just in the 80s. We we're all, you know, nukes were all on our all our brains. So this was yeah. not a nuke. This was not the, the thing I was normally afraid of. This was a very tangible thing to get hit with all these darts and so um, I kind of went down the rabbit hole as a little kid with that movie and with the book. And so in, in this novel, you get the, you, to change that, what the implications are that if you change something that has real footage in it, you're changing real footage. So right. you get kind of a back to the future too with it. If, if you, uh, since it was real footage of a real Super Bowl, if you fuck with that, if they fuck with this movie, then they're going to fuck with a real event which leads to, well, wait a minute, if we could, why does that mean if we throw in JFK and freeze it? Right. Et cetera, it's because yeah. JFK contains actual footage of the Zapruder film. And so they're, it's an excuse to put real footage into the VCR in the easiest way possible. But I don't know if that answered the question, but Black Sunday was, uh, or even if there was a question, <laughs> but Black Sunday was just a huge obsession of mine. No, it, sound, it sounds really fun. I mean, it sounds. I'm trying awesome. to make like, Black Sunday happen. Everybody's got to re-experience. It's a John. It's a Frankenheimer movie. He's uh, he was always kind of like a. He went in and fixed, fixed, made worse. Uh, Island of Doctor Moreau, but he did the Manchurian mm -hmm. Candidate, and he did a lot of weird um, '70s sort of uh, paranoid exercises, right? Right. And Black Sunday was certainly a rehearsal for the Silence of the Lambs as far as the bad guy. The bad guy is that was some of the criticisms of the novel was like, we spend a lot of time in the head of this crazy guy and it's not a lot of fun. And he right. must have took that to heart. He's like, what if we did that and we did that with Hannibal, Rob's favorite person ever. 
what if we spent <laughs> all our time with Hannibal Lecter? And uh, he sort of corrected the, you know, corrected the ship there. Does Bruce Dern play that guy? He does. Bruce Dern plays the terrorist. Right, right. All right, I like it. Because in the because in Head Cleaner, you mentioned like he might be the same character in Burbs. Is that yes. right? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it all that's that, another movie that fits yeah. pretty well. So yeah, Black Sunday. Here's my thought with Last Projector. If you have not seen the movie The Thing, you're at a serious disadvantage. <laughs> And it sounds like for <laughs> head cleaner, there is a little bit of watching that would would facilitate a little bit of a different experience. Is I would that say, or no? honestly, no, because all it does is it it makes them realize that that the score of a real life Super Bowl game has changed, and that and that leads them to more right. important things. So it's it's not as um, interwoven as the thing. I mean, I, it, Last Projector has it, its own rap songs and shit based on the thing. Like the, the thing, <laughs> love is deep, but with this one, it's you probably have to know more about. You'd have more fun if you knew about JFK or Any Given Sunday than Black Sunday because those things are analyzed much more closely. Or mm-hmm. um, Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> well, I also think that you, since you're talking about the different generations, you know, Generation X and probably Generation Y are way more into. Uh, making references to to media and pop culture than or at least I guess stuff they grew up with you know so I'm sure hanging out with younger people they're like what do you even all you do is talk about movies like that's that's all you got and so it, may, it makes sense that like it's okay to be like a little lost you, you get the gist of it in the book Ho- hopefully like the, the last projector I got to kind of indulge in that there was just an assumption that everybody was the same way and you're just gonna I hope you like talking about movies where this one the idea is that it's not that they're not normal by doing it. So it's, it is sort of an outsider perspective of their movie talk is showing their limitations that they're right. That that's what the Eva character recognizes there. And um, to her, they're, they're kind of, it's kind of obnoxious. So, you know, I don't necessarily believe that, but uh, it's, there's at least the, there's an in for people that are not movie junkies as far as, um, as far as that goes, that that was the one thing that Mr. Uh, throw it all away. Mamatas um, <laughs> really enjoyed was he, whenever the, the banter was happening, he would highlight it and say the banter is working really well. So that these sound like people, he would say these sound like people and not mouthpieces for the, for the author or something to that effect, or maybe, you know, so okay, Dave, do you get sick of t- people telling you your dialogue's good? Because your dialogue, your dialogue, you're. I think you're really you're a great dialogue. I don't see. I don't. I don't hear that a lot. I hear really a lot. There's a lot of crit. I mean, if you go, I, I keep going back to Goodreads, and I probably shouldn't, but um, that was complaints with early books. Is everybody sounds the same? You know, everybody sounds like me or whatever. But see. I think some people get hung up on like everyone, everyone should sound like real people. Cause the truth is no, if you're reading a book, real people, like how many times have we said, um, and, and said right. the wrong word, but we kind of get it. You don't want that. You want to, you want a stylist, which I think is you're a great stylist of dialogue and you have enough um, different voices. And yeah, maybe throughout 
your your entire body of work there are certain voices you kind of go back to for different characters but that that, that to me is like you know Scorsese using De Niro 10 times it's just that's that type of character but I think your dialogue like it always has a great zip to it there's a good like uh there's a rhythm there's cadence there's the jokes land and I, I I'm always kind of um I'm a little in awe of it and I, I I actually thought that people would always give you credit for it and that you might be like you know, like when Tarantino to Kill Bill, he was like, oh, you know, I, I want them sh- to show people I can do more than just dialogue. I can do some action set pieces and this and this and that. Um, but you're saying that people actually, some people actually don't even dig your dialogue. I think that's some of the rejection letters I've gotten um, when I've Crazy. made the mistake of trying to get agents, <laughs> you know, right. these that the, everybody sounds the same, overly negative. Um, but this one... Uh, this one, maybe not so much. This one, um, because everybody is sort of representative of a certain generation, they're based on people I know and the way people talk. Probably the easiest one to write dialogue for was the sort of Milo libertarian, edgelordy kind of. Uh, the boss. Yeah, the, 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 the Randy character is, is representative of um, of a couple gay guys I know who are just brutal when it comes to things that they don't like. Right. <laughs> and uh, so tackling that was, I thought, well, that's going to be, is that going to sound, you know, am, am I going to invent, a, I don't know, a stereotype for a particular sassy meat, the mean gay guy. Um, but it turns out, I mean, as Rob is probably discovers as he reads along is that that character pr- arguably goes through the most change so you gotta it's kind of like you gotta start with something that's it's like oh this person sucks and then so there is um because i spent time on what that guy would start out signing sounding like which was kind of based on milo yeah what is it yellowopolis what the fuck that guy's name is right yeah yeah. that that i mean he was more in the uh, spotlight when i started writing it um, mercifully he's faded away right but there is sort of his his type and, right. and i'm yeah. talking about the the sort of delusional hardcore right winger hardliner who's it's like actually it's more like um what's his name roy Cohn. it was the there's sort of a, a self-hate and a destructive nature to him there's that line in um al pacino plays him in is it the um Angels in America, the line where he's like, oh, I can't even think of it. I, I'm going to mangle it, and it's going to be one of those that I should definitely have it right if I'm going to say these words. Actually, I'm not going to say those words. I'm not going <laughs> to give anyone any ammunition. Look at Al Pacino's, Al Pacino's portrayal of Roy Cohn is a lot of the basis for the video store owner. Um, can that character be redeemed? You know, Right. Yeah. So, so those are more, um, I guess the point is they're less me. So maybe they're more, uh, they're, they wouldn't be susceptible to, oh, you're just the same, you're just having the same guy telling jokes this, the whole time. It's just four versions of you. Um, so may, maybe yeah, I sidestep that a little more in this book. I, I'd say that the, the different characters are, are pretty like realized as being their own separate kind of voices and stuff like that. Um, like, yeah, um, because I hadn't thought about it. So you guys started talking about it. But yes, I would say that 
they don't none of them really sound alike jerry's uniquely jerry randy's uniquely randy uh what's it bunny like they all have their own kind of yeah he's thing. The, he's straight off the jacket he's straight off the cky tapes bunny <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and it works and it works well uh but do you typically have so the the book has let's see so there's the three main main characters and then there's like a couple of secondary characters which are uh what's her name the um tegan thank you tegan and um the other dude that i didn't mention a second ago is it's bunny right yeah yeah um but then there's like there's the tertiary characters which are like maybe an agent or whatever that kind of thing um which collectors is that what that the the title that was given to them or something like yeah. that the, the where they're yeah. stashing the the last representation of each media object yeah yeah, define, do, yeah good I, I i feel like do you do you often have like that many consistent like that big of a kind of main group of characters um no this was probably a pretty big even though it's it's the point of view third person point of view attached of these three main people that kind of Rashomon it up. Um, ironically that made a bigger cast because, and it made it easier to make them distinct because they were retelling the story sort of in a way. Yeah. Kind of not really, never mind. <laughs> but they, but the, the people that were the, I wanted the video store to be populated. It's been a real problem. Yeah. In, pandemic uh wise as far as um netflix movies are a real um victim of this is underpopulated films mm-hmm. underpopulated series where you get two or three people and they're clearly dealing with pandemic limitations yeah but then they realize it's kind of like with bad cgi somewhere along the, the way people realize well you don't you don't need to have a david lean sort of uh set piece with a thousand extras nobody even wants that anymore so the people have even now the thing that sets are back open something like uh, last night is a good example of a ridiculously underpopulated movie it seems sir on the surface level that it's big it's shiny and it's full of something it's full of something but it's not populated it's it's got about five people and they're stuck in a in a shiny room and if you look at that guy's previous movies where he had a tenth of the budget, like the brothers bloom was a caper movie that he did that felt hugely realized. It was like, a, it was kind of his, um, his Wes Anderson movie. So yeah. it gets some shit for that, but it's, it's certainly there's a, just by being, by not being limited by all that Netflix money where you got this, these big gross sets and CGI in glass onion like it just doesn't and knives out seems like a whole different world i so anyway that i wanted it to be populated um even though it was video store based and there is some redundancy to the plot where they seem to be going they seem to be in a are they in a video store are they in a video store within another building within another building like they're they're pretty inert in some ways But I, I wanted to constantly, I wanted to blow that open. You know, the, the skate park became a focus. And, um, you Facebook. know, Facebook, the Facebook campus became a, something that could uh, kind of open it up. So all those 
things needed of representatives. So Facebook campus has Stacy with an I becomes yep. a pretty important character. And Bunny is the skateboard guy. So every, so all these places that if it's not just going to be stuck in the video store or stuck in the video store within the building, within the building, then it, these other places need their ambassador. And those characters became, they got to, they got to have a good uh, supporting role. Or I thought they got to, they got to have their say. They, each of them got, had a moment. Right. I'm guessing that you in, in general enjoy writing dialogue. It feels like you're having a lot of fun. Mostly not, not even just for funny exchanges, but just in general, just passing the ball back and forth between a couple of people. For sure. But I think that it's, it's to blame for books ballooning up pretty big because to, to try to make it sound like a real conversation, it gets kind of, I don't want to say it gets kind of mammity because that's the opposite of a real conversation, but there is this like kind of redundancy of, uh, what you said this wait huh who i think those things are important to keep it to get to get at that groove going but that groove eats up a page really fast yeah i much pref- but then that's that shows how little i know because i much prefer a nice brick of text <laughs> that slows <Right>. shit down <laughs> you know one brick of text page it takes people a lot longer than 10 pages of just dialogue um so it's like uh it's an illusion of People are complaining about the last book being too big, um, and it's not. If you read it, it's so there's just so many conversations that it burns right past. Like it's gone, it goes by so much faster than much smaller things I've written. But people will never know that because it's, it looks like a brick. Um, so in, in that way, yeah, I, I love dialogue, but it artificially inflates the page count, and uh, but I think it moves things along. I think. It oh moves yeah. Better. I think it, it makes it the, zippy. The pace is breezy. Uh, breezy. On this one. Like, and like you came in under 400 pages. You're at like 375 or something like that. And yeah, it's got a, it's a good, it's a good, it's a well-paced book. Like it reads pretty easy. Um, and um, there is that, like the example I always think of when we're talking about like a brick of text is um, the book Perfume. By Patrick oh. Suskind, and it's about a guy who's it, it pretty much like isolated for the entirety of the book. So there's so much just descriptions of what's going on that there's oh, and there's almost no dialogue. And even though it's like 180 pages or something like that, man, that book takes fucking forever to get through. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah um, it's it. great. It's great. I love the book, but um, you know, it, it, it's it's hard to approach. Uh, yeah. But your yeah, this book, I, I think that you 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 manage pace pretty well, pretty much in everything I've read. But this one definitely feels very breezy and approachable. I think sometimes it happens with the reset button in that one too, because once it resets the first time and you know it's going to do it again, your mind already says, "Well, I kind of know how much is left because yeah. <laughs> it can't. It has to stop where it started." So it's. Um, I think that that can kind of that signal is good. Like when you. When you read a Kindle and you know when it's going to be done, you read yep. a book and you know how many pages are in front of you. So I think that that can be helpful to know how not daunting it, it might be. Um, yeah, that's a good point. When you start thinking or working on the next thing, the next novel or or bunch of short stories, do you conscious, consciously try to um, do something different than the last thing you did? Or do you say like, well, whatever I feel like doing, if it happens to be a little bit like the last thing, that's fine. If it's completely different, like how much do you worry about that? 
Um, I guess I, I don't really think about it. I, it's just, uh, if it's not just wish fulfillment or settling grudges or <laughs> blatant fantasies, uh, yeah, it's just whatever is interesting to me. It's kind of like your comic books. Uh, it, it would, it would surprise me if you ever didn't write about the topics you write about. Mm. And I don't know if, um, I'm sure that you could write a nice period piece about, uh, you know, a, um, somebody coming out to, to America. Oh man, I was looking forward to that. No, no more than me. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never know what you could write really well. I know. <laughs> Am I back? You're back. back. You guys missed the least Tony McMillan thing I could come up with. (laughs) I'm dying. You'll never hear it. You'll never hear it. Son of a bitch. But suffice to say it was, you could, you could put that up and then you could flick a button to do a negative image of it. And your face would appear. It was something that you would never, you would never write. It was, it was so perfect. It was such a perfect Perfect analogy. Mm. Mm. Good job, me. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, but I do know what you're saying. Like, you know, a lot of my favorite artists in general do have certain themes that they go back to. And I, I don't think it's some calculated thing. I think that's what they care about. That's what they obsess over. Um, I do know like, making comic books, I do get tired of drawing certain things. I'm like, oh, I'm tired of drawing, you know, spaceships. I want to draw, you know, people in the real world and the next will be that and that that informs it a little bit but you know with with your stuff you've you've covered a lot of different genres even though they're, they're almost always kind of like squished together hybrid genres so you kind of can do a lot like i don't know how many books i would go this is a straight this I'm like mm, it's not really it's just kind of your own weird take on everything do you think that's that that's fair or do you go no actually i view this as this is a straight noir this is a straight <laughs> Yes. There was some conscious genre hopping at the beginning Mm. and an attempt to try things on. Yeah. Let's try a zombie book. Let's try a Western. So I think you're right. There was an attempt to, it was, you know, it's kind of like, I like those things. I'd like to try one kind of thing. Right. But now I'm kind of settling into what I like to write about, which is, it's not, that's another problem with marketing it. I don't know if people are going to, if the right readers are, I don't know if the readers are going to find it. Like you guys are the perfect readers for this, but. Uh, so you're, you're, you're getting into your hello nasty phase of your career. <laughs> you, you had some different, you know, you tried certain things on and now you're kind of like yes. putting it together. This is me. This is my own genre. That is better than the example I used. Yes, exactly. I feel like I'm, I probably won't venture out of it, even though I can't define it. It's it's a hybrid genre, like I think Rob said earlier. It's a hybrid of a lot of things. So any attempt to write something marketable is not working. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's themes in, and you can tell me I'm I'm wrong, but I feel like there are some things that naturally manifest in the types of stories that, or in your style. Um, I always feel like there's like it, it makes you think about what a person does and why, or like the, like, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to properly 
explain what I'm talking about, but there's always like a, there's like a, a break, not a breakdown, but it almost like a, it, it encourages an analysis of the motivations of your characters. And I don't know if that's just like some basic storytelling or, but it seems like it's very kind of common in the stuff that you write. I think that's what Amy always calls the, when she reads the stuff that I write, she calls it my, the personal zeitgeist. Yeah. It's, it might be just the collateral damage of reading too many of my things for Rob in particular that you, (laughs) that you get the gist of, of, I don't know, like you recognize it now, maybe. Um, I, I don't think tells. anybody else. There's very few people that have that problem. That affliction <laughs> is not is not that widely known. But if, yeah, it's um it's full of stuff that it's full of a it has a, a an ethos, isn't that what what the she says in Videodrome? Max, it has a it has an, an ethos. Is that, <laughs> is that what does she say? That sounds about right. If it's not ethos, it's it's like uh some point of view. I think he's a philosophy. Right. Yeah. That's probably not accurate. Anyway, I seriously. <laughs> well, that's I have- the beauty part is like with this whole interview, like any quote you get wrong from movie, it's right back to your book. Head clear. Exactly. Exactly. You, you know, honestly, your next book, you could just do uh, a bootleg adaptation of another of a movie you like and just fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to do your, you could do black Sunday, the, the movie adaptation of the book that it was based on, but it's your version of it. Isn't that what, uh, isn't that what Stephen Graham Jones's demon theory is? Isn't it some sort of turducken like that? Is it? I haven't read it, but Rob read it. Uh, I did read it. Um, it it's a move. It's written as a movie trilogy. Um, but I don't know if it's a specific, the person to talk to about that would be Jesse Lawrence, but um, I don't know if it has a specific like target in what it was doing, or if it was just him doing something in that kind of formula but it is written it's three separate parts and each part is a movie and a trilogy you know speaking, thinking of, of- speaking of jones i was gonna say he did a story which i thought was a like a dave james keaton type of story and it was in his collection uh when the people lights go off it's about werewolves and the whole deal oh. was like uh uh you know like like dog years werewolf years are different so if you turn to <laughs> werewolf you come back to human, you you might have aged if you stay a werewolf too long. Yeah, and I was nice. like, that's fucking nice. great. Like, and I was like, that feels like I don't know. It kind of felt like your thing a little bit, like a little uh, bit of dude, your vibe. You, I mean, if we take a moment to do some Stephen Graham Jones love here, um, every so often I'll read one of his things and I'm like, oh shit, like I should have yeah. done that. Have you guys read the um, uh, Night of the Mannequins? Yes. No. no so, oh my god. So Tony, the opening of Night of the Mannequins. Not only is this this something where you're going to be like, oh, what a great idea. Like, I think it's kind <laughs> of in our wheelhouse as well. Mm-hmm. So people are going to, these these young people want to prank somebody. So they put a mannequin in a movie theater for their friend who's an usher to like come up upon and be like, oh, what the fuck is that? So they sit in the back row. They put the mannequin in the movie theater and sit in the back row and watch. And they see the usher come up and seemingly have a conversation with the person and then the mannequin leaves. <laughs> that's how the, that's how the book starts. And then they're right. like, what the fuck was that? And then they're trying to, the rest of the book is trying, it's almost, that's probably his loosest work. Like you can really get the feeling he's yeah. making it up as he goes. Right. But he's, but you're still in sure hands. Yeah. 
So what, but what a great opening, right? Oh my God. I it's, and that's, I, I think even on like the jacket copy, the way they describe the story, like that's why I, well, I think I got a, an advanced copy from Tor maybe on that one, but like just reading that, I was like, I need to fucking read this right now because it sounds is, amazing. Is that a full length? Or is that just a story? No, it's, t- it's tiny. It's basically it's a, a short, it's like a short story. It's supposed to be a novella, but I, I think I read it in like an hour. That sounds Hold great. on. Let me pull it off the shelf. Yeah. Look, you're going to get an idea. Go to the library here. <laughs> like like he did a story um about a kid in a hoodie and the hoodie would like would swallow things like the sleeve like if you did one it. of these oh that's and, awesome yeah and i was like oh man i could draw the shit out of that like i, I want to turn it into a comic book you know like it's on oh, it's on loan to somebody right now wait mm. i might have i might have it hold on <laughs> this is like a this is a tr- like a, a gimmick now he's gonna come back with like a, a, a different book altogether. <laughs> It's well, pretty it good selection you got behind you. What I can make out, it's pretty neat. Yeah. This is, uh, I spent like the last two years just unloading books that mm. were accumulating from like, you know, um, advanced copies from publishers and stuff that accumulated over the years. So like this here is just mostly people that I've gotten books from and read in the last like probably decade. So um, when you, you say art parties, like this is it. This is the arc party right here. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. I've got some, I've got some gems. I think yeah. the, the one, the real banger is uh, my copy of Jones's the Elvis room, uh, yeah. which I think there was like a hundred copies total made. And mine is one out of a hundred. So oh, that's very fun. One. It's so teeny. It, yeah, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. You need to read that. It's. It, sounds great. How old is it? Um, is it like a an older one? Twenty eighteen, I think. Okay, Seven, cool. uh, eighteen or nineteen. Very cool. Yeah, I sense it really came fun. out. I think it came out around the time of the Only Good Indians. Gotcha. Twenty twenty. Oh, twenty. Hey. Yeah. Twenty twenty. I guess, I guess you're welcome, Steve. You got you here. Know, it is next to me to say. You ever watch those night videos? Here it is next to a PM right. two. <laughs> Nice next corner. to a, a ballet song. <laughs> Did I freeze up? No, 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 you're good. No, you're just talking about knives. You, you, you guys want to see my new knife? When you're selling someone else's book, it, it works fine. Uh, Amy got me this one for Christmas. It's a. It's called the Chili Pepper. <laughs> it's pretty cute. You should take it to Applebee's and no. be ironic about it. How many knives do you think you own, Dave? Um. The knife knife box. I don't know if you can see that. Knife box. Are you taking your knives out? <laughs> the, can you see this box? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I saw you posted something. You had to ha- have that exchange or something because there was a problem with the foam being imperfect. Yeah, they, they cut the, the knife foam, had, a, had holes in it, so the knives would fall out the bottom. But then they just sent me another one, and... Um, they said, just keep the other one. You can have it. And I, and I taped it up like it's workable. So, but who else is going to have, who else wants it? I don't know. I can't, somebody said they wanted it and then they backed out. So I'm still, I still have that piece of know, maybe You let the kid play with it. I mean, that thing would be awesome, right? Like or take the knives out. Maybe I don't like yeah, that. That's think. what I thought. Like, that's a very good point. But for <laughs> example, this, this is one of those, uh, 
you know, Ballysaw butterfly knives, but it's a, it's got a fake blade in it. Mm. See that? Yeah. So, so that you don't cut yourself. So this is very a nice fidgety thing to sit around with when you're watching TV. This will freeze the, that'll definitely freeze the fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. <laughs> it did. You've got the last internet connection. <laughs> anyway, what I was saying was, so I thought, well, I could leave this sitting around because I have the, that foam is in a case that you can lock up so that child can't get to it. But this one, I thought I can play with this and I can leave it sitting on the armchair. And Amy was like, no, that's worse. So she said, <laughs> it's much worse to leave that laying around because it's not real. And it normalizes that as an object that can't hurt you. So if she got used to flipping that around and playing with it, then maybe she'd play with knives thinking that they weren't dangerous. So I, yeah, I follow that. So I have this fake knife for no reason now. Um, <laughs> you take I thought it was childproof. to the fake knife. So I thought it was a childproof knife. Me. And you you think that that's not, it's not a very complicated lesson. You'd think I'd understand that that's why you don't have fake guns <laughs> sitting around. I mean, it's it's pretty simple logic. And somehow I thought, well, what if we just had toy knives? <laughs> anyway, this is just a, I'm a pet. That's another pandemic casualty is knife collecting. I had, I had to do something. <laughs> no. uh, did Tony, did you come up with a, a pandemic uh, hobby? That you didn't have before the pandemic? Gaining weight. Um, Gaining weight. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, not really. It's funny. I, you know, I, I'm a I'm a father of a small kid and I make comic books and I have a real job and I don't have a lot of time. So the only here's the only thing I, I start doing. I start drinking coffee. I used to not <laughs> drink coffee. So now I drink a lot of coffee. Me too. Me too. Okay, That's great. Yeah, I was doing sort of a poor man's four loco here. I got a <laughs> coffee and LaCroix. Oh, nice. Oh, that actually would be nice. I would, I would do that. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, coffee is a, that's another pandemic casualties, my coffee intake. Yeah. I, it's, I, you know, I started waking up. I was like, I need something to go. And now I, I take really quickly to like habits and look, most of my habits are really innocuous and stuff, but coffee is now like, if I don't have coffee every day, I get like a bad headache and like, it's pretty, I'm going to train spot brutal. any second. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Rob? Any pandemic, uh, hobbies the development no no my journey was uh i got cancer so that really took a chunk of the pandemic up so (laughs) i didn't really i didn't really have the opportunity to like well wouldn't you say you you beat cancer was your pandemic hobby was was conquering cancer fight yeah fighting and beating cancer was definitely that's better the hobby um but yeah, I didn't get to do like sourdough or anything because I was like poisoned, be, <laughs> being being poisoned for months on end. Right. So we'll have to have another pandemic where I'm healthier. Yeah. Uh, you might get your wish. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, a little monkeypox. Oh god. A little monkeypox so that Rob can get into model airplanes. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, work 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 from home and uh, start whittling or something. <laughs> I always thought it'd be kind of awesome to like hit 40 and get really into like a hard drug all of a sudden. Like I can see how it happens though. Like, yeah, just the coffee thing has made me think about what, would I be really good at being like a heroin addict? If I'm so good at drinking coffee, I just never, (laughs) like maybe I'd be really good at it. Well, the thing is you would have the wisdom to know if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this the right way. Like I read the Keith Richards book and he's like, yeah, I use, I use the best heroin available. 
And that's why I'm still alive. I'm like, yeah, of course you got to do it the best way. It's like when I get ice cream, I don't get cheap ice cream. I get like a really, you know, fancy fucking, it's going to be bad. I'm going to be really, I'm going to be bad, really good. So that's what you got to do. Good. Is there good crack? There's got to be some gelato crack out there. It's called, it's it's called cocaine. Like, true. Oh, shit. Very true. It's the yayo from Scarface. (laughs) There it is. It all comes together. Well, what version? Right. Mm, Jesus. <laughs> I I don't I think that I would just be too tired to have like a drug addiction. Like Yeah. I'm in my I'm in my mid 40s, you know, and I'm just like everything feels like it's more effort. Well, so, you got yeah. you got to pick the right drug, man. You might have like a bunch more energy all of a sudden. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, weed's weed's legal in Illinois and I I dabbled in some like um edibles and and gummies and stuff and right i tried that it didn't do anything yeah. did it gummies didn't do shit for me what did it do for well you? either they didn't do anything or they were really they were too effective where i was just like kind of like black like like un i could like i couldn't function properly <laughs> i couldn't I, I didn't find the sweet spot where it was just like i feel all right but the best that's time crack, for that's me, crack, Rob. That's yeah, the, that's crack. That's the sweet spot. It, one but, of the street names is Sweet Spot. I mean, <laughs> of that sweet spot. Yeah. I, I, I had a similar thing. I did some edibles <laughs> and like um, I just I was laughing. I was so goofy because I hadn't I didn't smoke weed since I was a little kid. I'm not a little. I was like 13, but I, not since then. So we watched like Pen 15 or some funny TV show, and I was like dying. I was like, oh man, like this two of, the, two of these bears is like way too much. I gotta cut this bear up. Yeah, yeah. I don't care to find. I don't care to find my right dose. I've just kind of got tired of it. So. For, for local brings me back down. I'm, I'm down with that. Um, Dave, are you drinking coffee while you write, or is a is that a sacred thing? We don't we don't do that. Yeah, just writing, grading papers, getting moving. Um, pretty much, d- just it's been a daily thing for a while, mm. and only since the pandemic, I never drank coffee before. I would drink, you know, if it was like a milkshake, if it was a coffee drink with a bunch of whipped cream and caramel and like yeah. I, I drink those at work if somebody bought them right but that was that was candy you know right but, but now um yeah i'll make a cup of coffee before i sit down to do or just to like i find that it just improves my mood <laughs> I'm just, you're addicted to it <laughs> that's, that's, how, <laughs> that's how i imagine it for me i'm like that's what that's what the, that's like, if they finally would just put a microphone in front of the, a cra- the right crackhead, you know, it just improves my mood. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just so much happier with crack. That's good. Yeah, I like how I'm pretending like I've come. I'm the first one to notice these things. Coffee just makes me feel better. I just awesome. I'm so happy. You're that. You're that guy that um, I won't mention by name, but goes onto social media and like. 15 years after the fact is like, I'm watching the wire. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do about five years later. That's when I, that's my sweet spot is to get into things about five years later. (laughs) No. Yeah. It's definitely me. Um, I I always joke if if a lead singer dies, I'm going to get their album right then. And that'll be my (laughs) new favorite band. I'll never see them live. It just happens. Yeah, but it's, it, it can only be if they die in a surprising or horrible way. Like David Bowie went out with such class. I don't think I'll right. ever listen to his yeah. last album because it was such a 
march to the grave. Like, I, I don't know. But if, if he would have died in like some horrible accident, like a fucking snow plowed himself, like the, like that guy did. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring up Jerry Ritter. I knew yeah, it. Like if, if he, if, if David Boy would have snow plowed himself, uh, <laughs> I, told him, I, would de- I would definitely have his last album. But, if it's no. But, yeah. I can't do it. I, no. Dude, if yeah. Bowie was on a snow plow, just a photo of that would just fucking change my whole world. Like what? Yeah. You can do it. What's that? There's that, uh, that football player got hurt yesterday and uh-huh. everybody's at half mast. <laughs> yeah. I wish, I wish I was still going. I wish I wasn't working from home right now so that I could call my boss and say, can't come. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the, the injury to baby Diego has affected me way too much <laughs> to go into work today. No, I'm, that's, that sucks. That I'm sure that that's, oh, that'd be, that'd be great. Just, just to try it, see what they do. Like, like, what, what could you say to somebody if they actually, they're trying to be sincere about that? You're like, do I have to honor this? Like someone's Dude, that- I have the, the exact situation happened at a video store where somebody tried to get out of a late fee and they talked about some sickness in their family, and it was so <laughs> embarrassing for everyone. <laughs> and the guy comes up, he's like, "Oh, so sorry, you know, I was we were hurrying up to get to the hospital and blah blah." blah. And I and I know that I was supposed to be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," but instead I was just like, "You're gonna use that trad? Like, isn't that tragedy more mean more to you right. than a dollar?" Right. Is it just a dollar to you? <laughs> Do they know that they're just a dollar to you? anyway well and then you follow that person around town and they're like everything they're doing they're just currying sympathy off of that fucking bullshit yeah that's that's some fucking that's some curb your enthusiasm like i'm gonna follow that person they better go to a hospital yeah (laughs) (laughs) like that time you followed the uh fire volunteer firefighter yes yes he said he wanted to know if i want my ass kicked (laughs) <laughs> there's a correct answer to that question <laughs> oh jesus that's funny uh, that's hilarious so, would you read a book by someone who about a video store that was never a clerk or do you go don't waste my time i probably wouldn't want to i think it would be yeah that would be what do you call it, stolen valor <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you do want some evidence that they worked at a video store. You don't want to, because it's fun to hear about it. That's like the book uh, last night at the lobster, which was a huge influence on this book. Hmm. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys have read that one by own name. It's takes, it's the last night of a red lobster before they're going out of business and they want to kind of, the managers like, we're just going to, we're going to do it by the numbers. We're not going to slap, even though we could, we're going to respect. And of course, the last night is where all grudges start to boil up. It's a really snowy day. And so there's barely any customers. It's a very small book. It's kind of um, Night of the Mannequin size. I'd highly recommend it. Like it, it's Red Lobster as a topic. Could you'd think it would be, is it going to be too? Uh, it's like if somebody's to write about Taco Bell, you'd have to do it in a serious way because it's such a. Right. You, you've already inherently got the the thing has already been minimized. It's so you punchline, yeah. You got to take it seriously. So right. you could tell that the person, the, the guy who wrote it, spent some time at Red Lobster, and it <laughs> comes through. Um, nice. It's a fun book. So this is like the last night at the the last night at the Blockbuster, which is not a Blockbuster. I see Blockbuster getting a lot of attention lately, as far as uh, 
nostalgia points. And if you worked in a video store in the 80s, man, or the 90s or the early 2000s, Blockbuster sucks. Yeah. Oh, I worked at I worked at Blockbuster for seven years. Everyone hated me. All my friends worked at the actual video stores and across the video in Tucson. Call me video Nazi. I was like, I got I just got a job. I need you know, it's like nah. And, and going to thrift stores for clothes, the 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 most common uniform was a blockbuster polo. There was just like uh, so many throughout the whole store. That's like in clerks when they when he goes to a the what is it, uh big time video or whatever. I'm gonna go right. to big choice or whatever. Yeah. And it's that's a that's an interesting moment because he he just wants a copy of the movie he wants and that's that was the biggest problem when i worked at all these little video stores we ran we only had a couple copies of the big movies so yep. you're you know so you're be you're the asshole who's like are you sure you don't want to watch uh, johnny handsome instead you're like you're pushing you're pushing your your uh your other shit on them because you don't have the movies that people want and so there's right. something to be said for blockbuster they would always have the, the movie you wanted uh, maybe they didn't have the fringe stuff, but you didn't want the fringe stuff. You just wanted to watch Under Siege. You just wanted to watch a copy of the big new movie. And right, and I I would have definitely have customers come in who made it a point to go. I don't usually come here, but they're all out of it at Casa Video <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, well, you have a membership, so I mean, what are we, what are we doing? It's, come on, it's okay. I'm not gonna tell your friends. Shit, that's like when uh, like it's we're do, me and me and my girlfriend are gonna do a coffee run and like. The only thing that's open is Starbucks, and it's like, well, it's coffee. <laughs> well, dude, so I live in Massachusetts. I, I live in Massachusetts, and I, you know, I, I Dunkin' Donuts is a, a religion here. It's pretty, oh, yeah. terrifying. Yeah. And today, I was uh, listening to the audio book of Head Cleaner. I was out in the rain, waiting for my windshield to get repaired, and um, I, I got desperate. I went to Dunkin' Donuts for the first time ever and got a coffee. And I sent a photo to my wife. It's like the transformation is complete. And she was gassed, <laughs> and I and didn't taste good. And but I had this feeling like I understand these people now. I'm like, I get it. I'm one of them. I'm walking the streets, have my hoodie on, and I was like, oh, I need some sweatpants. I was like, this close to just getting it. I've been here more. Than so it wasn't years. good. I, I hear a lot about that coffee. It's, what does it taste? Oh no, like? no, it, t- it tastes terrible. Like I don't get. I got. I. I just. It's don't like diner it. coffee. Yeah, it's like diner. It's you know, it's funny. It's like diner coffee that had heard about Starbucks, had <laughs> tried it, and so they tried to make an approximation, and it didn't come off well. Uh, yeah, I feel. I feel like Duncan goes heavy on cream and sugar in a way that just takes all of the coffee flavor out of everything. So that's my yeah, impression. I could see that. Yeah, like you're you're worried your hand is going to be sticky from holding the cup. <laughs> yeah no that's pretty accurate um yeah yeah it was it was uh it was a real eye-opener um if the next time rob comes out here and tony's coming out here we're gonna make yeah. that happen i'm down there's a there's a coffee shop down the street called the ugly mug and they have a nice. drink called the, the donnie darko Ooh. which is three espresso shots and this heavy cream which sounds fatal right um but it tastes so good. It and I'm not a big coffee freak or anything, but I know that that's good. Like that when sounds I, good. I got one and I didn't even mix it up. Amy said later, I think you're supposed to mix it up, but I I don't know. Is you supposed to mix those things up because it's black on the bottom and it's just white on the top? But so when you drink it, the black goes through the white, and it, so by the time you're at the end of it, then it tastes like I guess like it's supposed to. But there's something about the black going through the white that's it was so right. much better when it wasn't when it wasn't mixed and i don't know what the hell 
is going on with that, but it is good. And it's, you know, it's a nuclear reactor by the, when you drink that shit, you're just like, I can conquer the world. <laughs> maybe all maybe family business of... will be settled today. I have, to, I have to tell you about this coffee concoction. So there's a coffee shop that opened up recently in Chicago called the brood and it's a horror themed nice. coffee shop. Okay. This and um, so like their, <laughs> their first, uh, their first uh, signature drink that they made when they first opened up was called fire starter. And it was like a, coffee thing but it had like uh cayenne pepper in it or something like that so like they really lean into like you should check out their social media it's fucking great um like they have a tv by the booths that's just like an old crt like cabinet style tv that just flickers the pumpkin like in halloween three. Oh my god a lot like, of, a lot of kitsch factor going on at this place so kitsch so kitsch but they, I, I just fucking, they blew my mind one day because I'm at the counter and I'm ordering, you know, whatever I was ordering. And I see a sign for a drink that's cold brew coffee and lemonade. And it's called a Leland Palmer. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, fuck me. That is like the coolest thing. That's like readers of the lost Ark. That's pretty good. Yeah, It's like readers of the law. <laughs> well, here's my question. Do they, they have a beverage called cream blackula cream? No, but they, they don't have that. I don't know what they're doing. We we need they need a suggestion box. I think is what they need. But uh, I'm thinking Gizmo cocoa for the kids. There's all kinds <laughs> of oh god. Yeah, that's a cool place. It's horror themed, so it's fun. Nice. Uh, we probably should start wrapping up our our chat. Yeah. Uh, um, since it's so like what are you close gonna, to midnight? Is it, you got a lot of material? Are you going to do like a? Here's the extended version, like you used to do with booked. Yeah, I think I'm going to do, I'll do, there's really not much to edit, like in this conversation. So it's probably going to go up almost like this on YouTube. It'll probably get podcasted get all the, out the same way. Get all the crashes out. You probably drop 10, 12 minutes easy. <laughs> you got to do the thumbnail uh, as like a silver Dave and then like a black and white Dave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's maybe that's what i'll do i'll keep going in and like putting up different versions of it and see if anybody <laughs> notices <laughs> oh i don't know if rob that's... had this like if tony ends up doing this show um tony's gonna have to make some arcs this is the uh this is his new series creatures nice this Thanks, one's man. based on a certain tony likes to play fast and loose with intellectual properties right <laughs> so uh this might ring some bells it's got a lot of a lot of shine on there though <laughs> yeah I, i'm continuing my uh my john carpenter love letter which has become my adult life <laughs> pretty much yeah so what what do you have to promote right now tony i i could go as far back as nefarious twit but i don't know how commercially available that is right now yeah that's that's actually the one thing that's not available anymore but um yeah, I've done a bunch of stuff. But basically, I've I really kind of uh, pivoted to making comic books. I, I write and draw a lot of comic books. So um, Dave's been a big supporter, which is awesome. Um, Dave reads most of my stuff, and I, I appreciate that. But um, the new comic book series I'm doing is called Serious Creatures. It's actually the second volume of it. So I did six issues um, a year or two two years ago and collected those into one big collection. And now this is the, the next six issues, which will complete the whole story. And that's basically about 
uh, a teenage special effects artist who's working in Hollywood in the 70s and 80s. It's loosely based on the career of Rob Bottin, who did the effects for The Thing and RoboCop and The Howling. So nice. basically, it's 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 a kind of like Boogie Nights, but it's about the the Fangoria set. So that's my current thing. I've done two issues so far. The new run, the third one, will be out um, next month, and um, that'll get me through to like the the summertime, and then I'll collect those six issues, and that will be this giant friggin saga that like you know the good fellas of of ghoulish movies and stuff like that so um that's the, that's the current beast that sounds it's, awesome it's so good uh, rob i'll send it to you next time i send you something i've got uh um i had a extra some doubles for my sister but she moved so uh i'll hook you up but it's so good awesome. earlier about he's uh that he's abandoned um, spaceships, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, you the praise he he cuts out on the praise. Like <laughs> he's doing on pur- he's doing on purpose. He's doing it on purpose. He did it with the, the <laughs> a pitch for what you could write. He's doing it with the praise. It's <laughs> pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> what I was saying was that <laughs> because you're writing about the special effects industry, it's a perfect loophole to have. Yeah that you don't abandon those things that you said you were sick of. Like they're certainly in there because you can have these digressions, these fantasies, but also the, the, you still have that kinetic, crazy artwork of, of the special effects that are, you know, woven all through it. So even though he hinted earlier that he's got, his story is more grounded and normal. It's, um, it, it's certainly taken advantage of, of the same imagination that robots and his little, uh, his little lumen guy, but I, I like this one the best. I, I liked that other stuff, but there's just there's something about the subject matter, and there's something about the the protagonist who's clearly another Tony avatar. Uh, <laughs> from what little I know about him, but for better, uh, for, better or for worse, yeah. Thanks, does, Dave. Does that mean that like your life parallels Botines, or is are you putting more of you than him in it? I think uh I think it's more maybe more me than him but we're I think similar we're we're, we're inverted where he was very successful uh early on in his life and I'm hoping that I'll be successful eventually <laughs> at, near the end of my life at some point we'll we'll see but um maybe that by doing this you're you're sort of Dor- Dorian Gray in his ass and he's sort of going <laughs> <laughs> he's shriveling up while you take his power I'm fine with that I mean as long as I you know get out <laughs> in the end that's that's okay <laughs> Sorry, Rob Botin. <laughs> Beautiful. That's awesome. Well, Thanks, maybe Dave. maybe we'll have an episode where it's all the Tony's work up here, not David's books. I, I'm totally. I'll send you a bunch of stuff. I got boxes of stuff, man. But that sounds great. <laughs> awesome. It, two and a half hours, I think, is a pretty decent conversation. Um. Uh. Any. Any. Okay. So since this is about books that are coming out soon. Let's just end it on like, is there a, a book that is uh, coming out in the near future or sometime in this year that you're uh, really looking forward to or an author in general, anything like that? Cause I've been hit with like this conundrum of have, having done the booked podcast for so long, I've built up like a larger and larger list of authors who like anything they put out, I'm going to read to the point where like, it's several books a month that I'm like, oh man, I got to get that one. I got to get that one. So I, I I wonder if that's like uh, if that's something that everybody goes through. Not trying to kiss ass, but I did pre-order Head Cleaner. 
So I was very excited about this book coming out. So um, when it finally comes, I will probably be done with the audio book, but I'll probably read it again. Totally. It's a different That's experience, sweet. I think. That's awesome. I, I'm so behind on books that um, I, I'm looking forward. I've started Swamplandia, and I'm looking forward to seeing how oh. that ends up. I know that that's uh, – I'm five years late on that one. I told you, five years is a sweet spot for me for being <laughs> So um, I don't know. Did you guys read that, The Alligator Who, Farm? Who's that author again? Um, Russell? Yeah. Karen Russell? No, I didn't. I, I knew it was a big – it made a big splash when it came out. It's great. I mean, she has a story that I think you guys would love, and it's kind of in Stephen Graham Jones territory. It's called um, "Home for Girls Raised by Wolves." Home, home for the Jesuit home for girls raised by wolves. Did I freeze? <laughs> no, you're, no, you're good. No. But yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing short story where they find these wild sort of werewolf girls and make them normal in this school and teach them etiquette. Just so it's one of those perfect short stories that you, you can tell like a, there was a book worth of stuff mm. put into a short story. So I've always wanted to read Swamplandia, which seems to have some of the similar similar tone to it, like point of view of young young girls in like a um, wild situation. It's a, it's about this family growing up on an alligator farm. And it's great so far, but I'm only like five pages in, so it's going to take me a while to do it. <laughs> so I'm really lo- I'm looking forward to reading Swamplandia, which was nominated for a Pulitzer, didn't win. I think they might mm. even have done that shit thing where they there's no winner that year. Oh, yeah, which is just a real yeah. slab in the face. Like they decided that none of the nominees were good enough, or like how do you even do that? Can you yeah. imagine a, an award doing that? We're sorry, but none of you are good enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sucks. So it, it should have gotten a Pulitzer of the year. But then some friends of mine who really like that story, they're like, you're going to be disappointed in Swamplandia. It was too much hype. Uh, I don't I don't see that so far. First chapter, and it was great. So maybe it turns to shit. I don't know. <laughs> looking, looking forward to finding out. Nice. Uh, anything come to mind, Tony? Oh, besides head cleaner. Um, oh, I, yeah, you were, yeah, you went with code. Yeah. We, we forced can... him to read that early. We already <laughs> no, um, you know, there's a bunch of comic books and stuff like that. Like, um, but um, I just got, I got, I, I still have the Mountain Goats guys book from I think it's a, it might be a year old now. But I, was, I think you know the um, oh the the Devil the, House the, the Devil House yeah I got that yeah. too yeah and so I'm like I I, I gotta I think I got that last Christmas I gotta read it like I really yeah. like his other stuff so like um. That's like I'm I'm playing catch up with shit. I've got um Heat too. I got Oh right, yeah. Like a long time oh, yeah, before it was see, released. I, I'll see that one in five years. Yeah, you'll see that. <laughs> Stephen Graham Jones has doesn't he have a book coming out with a crowbar on the cover? I'm intrigued by that. Uh Don't Fear the Reaper. It's the the follow up to um yeah, My Heart so is I gotta Chainsaw. go back and read a book. Yeah, my heart is chainsaw. <laughs> uh yeah, that comes out in February. Yeah. Oh, Jones oh. Jones is killing it. That guy's. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. a big crowbar fan. I'm a big Stephen Graham Jones fan, but I also like crowbars. So it's, it's like it's not a crowbar though. It's a. Uh, um, oh fuck that! Fuck that <laughs> uh, what a what does a reaper carry? Like uh, oh, what's sickle? the fucking a crowbar? Yeah. Yeah. Scythe. 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 Yeah. yeah, a crowbar. The <laughs> you know, medieval times, you had a fucking crowbar in case your <laughs> buggy needed like some the door to take you to that's a crowbar 
that's pretty cool is it to open a door to jimmy a door because he's like death that's kind of fun he's if that's the case i, I no, he's always like carried a crowbar it's a you mandela it effect. a weird angle yeah <laughs> i'm sorry a tire iron is that what they call it he carries a tire iron Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for joining and uh, kicking off this experiment of a of a situation. I'm hoping that it builds momentum and and it gets more people reading uh, excellent books. So thanks for thanks for starting it off with me. I had a blast. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having us. Thanks for pick, picking my book. That's fun. Man, I missed I missed me some Keaton. I, I went this back was and fun. I this was like thing. the old, this was like the old days. I know. This was. This is, the salad days. The salad days. The all yeah. or nothing days. Yeah. <laughs>